Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. my friends welcome to episode 606 of omega man radio tonight's gonna be a special broadcast i'm really looking forward to tonight's guest hearing him speak uh, we're gonna have on henry groover been prayer walking for over 50 years we call him the prayer walker his website is henrygroover.com also joyful sound ministries.com and if you're here for the first time we want to welcome you we do two broadcasts daily the first one is at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. for our friends over in the United Kingdom. Shouts out to Brother Dan tuning in from England right now. And then at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, that's midnight in the U.K., Monday through Friday. Uh, Saturday nights, we start early, 6 to 10. And if you miss any of these broadcasts, you can catch them up on the archives at Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. Speaking of um, updates... The new website, OmegaManRadio.com, has been launched. Uh, we've got links to um, various parts of this program. Hopefully it will be easier for you to navigate than in the past. 
and I'm continuing to work on it, but uh, it's up and running, so you check it out. Also, at the main website, uh, you can hear the Super Audio feed. We still have blog talk going, but you can also listen in uh, high-fidelity sound. We've also got a chat room there, so two chat rooms, two audio streams for you to choose from. Well, without further ado, um, oh, there is another announcement. Yes, tomorrow we're going to have, of course, Brother John Kyle on from the Oasis Church, Mass Deliverance, Friday night and Saturday we're going to have Brother Victor Mravelag will be preaching at 6 p.m. And uh, Steve Quill is going to be on 9 p.m. Eastern Saturday night with a special guest. You don't want to miss these programs this weekend. All right, praise God. I'm excited. Here we go. Let me get uh, Brother Groover on here. Stand by. I hope you got your coffee ready. Hello, Henry here. Uh, good evening, Brother Groover. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you, Brother? I'm doing really good. Folks, uh, we have Brother Henry Groover on live with us tonight. And, uh, Brother, it's an honor and a privilege to welcome you back for the second time on this program. And uh, would you honor us and open up tonight in prayer? Oh, absolutely. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, oh, precious Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. We want to thank you for the price that he paid for his obedience and the walk that he walked on this earth, for the example that he set, and Lord, for the mighty, mighty battle that he was more than a conqueror in. We ask that that precious blood, body, mind, and spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ be applied over this radio program, over every instrument that's being used to listen to it or receive it, record it or whatever. We ask, Almighty God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would permeate this across the heavens, Lord, your word promises that in the last days your, your doctrine would fall as the rain and distill as the dew. And we ask that that will happen in our hearts tonight, that you will have full control, that the purpose for this program, Lord, and the purpose of this time that is so precious, for we will never be able to relive these moments again, that they will be sown in righteousness, joy, and peace, that they will be sown in a way that promotes that beautiful righteousness, sown in a way that brings forth that which will honor you and glorify your holy name. This is our heart's desire, Lord, that we might hear from you. Lord, anything I have, I have from you. It's not of my own or myself. I just give it back to you now, and I ask that you take from the the files of what you have filed within me, you have vested within me, Almighty God, and that you bring it forth, that it will come forth in such a way that each person, Lord, will have questions answered, will have encouragement, will have enlightenment and understanding and wisdom and counsel in a new way. For, Lord, you said in the last days you're going to do a new thing, and you make all things new. And so, Lamb of God, we just ask that for your name's sake and for your glory, that we might bring honor and glory to your holy name now through this time together. 
And we thank you for it and give you full command. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Folks, uh, if you're just tuning in, Henry Groover is on with us tonight. And Brother Groover, I'm looking at the uh, chat room. We have people tuning in live to this broadcast tonight from uh, Great Britain. We've got Canada, the United States so far that has joined us, and many more will be picking up this broadcast live. So uh, before you get started, Brother Groover, would you please give out your contact information and tell people how they can get in, in touch with your ministry? Okay. Uh, well, it's Post Office Box 144, 144, Woodbine, W-O-D, B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, I-O-W-A, 51579, P.O. Box 144, Woodbine, Iowa, 51579, and the ministry's name is Joyful Sound Ministries. And uh, that's what we hope it to be and want it to be. Uh, if you go on the website, you can go on JoyfulSoundMinistries.com or HenryGroover.com, and uh, you'll pull up our ministry, but mainly Joyful Sound Ministries. Uh, that will give a full, hopefully, full listing of materials and things that are available. And uh, I want to remind you that what is available is, is available on a free will offering basis of just asking people to help us out uh, in the finance of the presentation, production, and uh, shipping, mailing, whatever that uh, it costs to do it. And uh, that's, that's pretty well it. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. I, I, I hope there's some that... Uh, across the earth that I have come in face-to-face -face contact with in these 48 foreign countries I've walked and prayed. Great Britain, I've been all over you. And uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and um, parts of the Middle East and Asia. And of course, good old Canadian brothers up north here of us, not too far from Iowa. Greetings to you and uh, brothers and sisters. And uh, if you're down in South America, blessings on you. Amen. Praise the Lord. This program goes uh, around the world. Uh, we have uh, listeners that write in from uh, Japan, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Australia. So we really praise the Lord uh, for the reach it has. And, folks, I'm excited about tonight because um, hopefully you caught the first program we did with Brother Groover. But if you didn't, oh, my goodness, you're in for a treat. And, you know, Brother Groover, um, I've wondered for a long time about how to attack the the principalities and powers, and when I heard your testimonies uh, about the prayer walking you've done over the decades, I said, wow, here's a man that uh, not only understands how to do it, but has been doing it for the Lord with great success, and so we're just here to learn tonight, and with that, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, brother. Again, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, Brother Shannon. Uh, you know, the authority that God has given to the believer is is an awesome authority. Uh, we we must always keep, if you're a student of the Bible, you must always keep in mind the words of our Lord when he walked on the earth. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater, because I go to the Father. And uh, I think the greatest works of all 
when it comes to what we would call or term spiritual warfare, the greatest works of all come in the category of what Jesus told us to do. He said to cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And uh, freely you've received, freely give. And I believe that the heart, the very heart of uh, of the gospel is is to understand and to come into a place of understanding of of what God has given to us. I believe the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 had a good uh, grip on this because my word, if somebody... You know, you never read in life. You never read. Maybe the... The heavenly man in China, I don't know, he was beat so many times and all, but uh, uh, of modern day. But Paul in the Bible, five times beaten with 39 stripes like our Lord and uh, raised from the dead and perils of the deep. I mean, he gives such a tremendous list of the sufferings that he has been in and uh, the sufferings that he endured for the sake of the gospel. And those sufferings come into a category that you and I, as the Lord's servants, must always keep in mind, we must always keep in mind the purpose of those sufferings. In Hebrews chapter 5, we were the other night on the phone we, we we got right on the edge of this several times, and uh, and we never really really got going into it. We kind of went off in a little different direction. I did touch on it a little bit, but I want to I want to touch on it a little more tonight because I feel that it is uh, it is of utmost importance that we we find this basis in our relationship with the Lord. We find this basis basis before we start thinking or dealing with all the authority that we have as a believer. It's very important that we understand the purpose and the plan of the Father in heaven, why we have this authority and why it's necessary to manifest through us. It's so important. I, I can't emphasize it enough. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, of course, this is talking about Jesus. And it talks about he's a priest forever, verse 6. As he saith in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we know the Melchizedek priesthood is the highest priesthood of all. There is no beginning of days or no ending of days of this priesthood. And then it goes right on, it says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him and there is a wonderful key right there to all them that obey him 
learning to obey the Lord is of utmost importance. I, we, all of us have seen, we have heard, the media has far overblown away people that failed and faltered and fell into sin, and it brought such a blemish on the Christian life and uh, Christian testimony. But we need to keep in mind that learning to keep our eyes on the Lord, to obey Him, to obey Him, called of God a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, he says here in verse 11. Hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. Well, I hope no one out there tonight is dull of hearing, or today, wherever this is coming in. For it says, For a time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and you become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Now, to be a mighty warrior, to be a, a fit warrior... You have to get off of the milk. And we were talking about that a few nights ago. And uh, how do we get off of the milk? How do we come to this place to get away from our infant stage? Verse 14, it says, But, uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, Every word, Everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I, I want to just address that that area right there for a few minutes regarding spiritual warfare. I, I get calls from Christians all the time and letters that uh, the struggle that you're having, the struggle you're having, definitely I, I have no question but what is it is the greatest battle you've ever fought in your life. I, I have no question about that whatsoever because I know that the enemy is raging today, and God is allowing it. He's allowing it to test us. He's allowing it to purge us and to cleanse us. He's allowing it. You know what a test is for, and I know what it's for. It's not for the teacher to know what you know or don't know. It really isn't. It's for you to learn what you don't know. And that's the reason the Lord allows us to have these tests, so that we know where we are. In the Lord, are we on the milk or are we on the meat? Are we, are we cutting good spiritual teeth to where we can chew, and assimilate the meat and and uh, the the adult type food to give us the strength to become a mighty warrior? You never would ask a baby that's still sucking on a bottle to go out on a battleground. They, our government does not recruit babies. <laughs> they just aren't interested in little infants coming and uh, and carrying guns and learning to go through boot camp. But they've got to have the young men and nowadays young ladies in their prime when they're strengthened, they feel so macho and they feel so capable like they can take the bull by the horn and wrestle him down. Well, that that's why the... Government wants the young men and young ladies at this age because of their strength. But uh, in the spiritual realm of the church, in the spiritual realm of Christians and your Christian group and those that you meet with, whatever, whatever basis that you're in, whatever group you're in, whatever basic 
fundamental or or really far advanced spiritual training you're in, it's important that you learn this principle. You may have many, many scriptures. You may be able to quote the Bible. I've ministered with a man up in Charlotte, North Carolina. I love to minister with him because when I, uh, Brother Langford, because when I when I'm preaching or or sharing and I just quote a kind of a verse like that, I don't give book, chapter, verse. Here comes his voice in, and he gives book, chapter, and verse. And it's exciting because I'm not a walking Bible. I'd love to be. Uh, I walk in the Word of God, and I walk according to the Word of God, but I haven't memorized the Word as much as I'd like to say that I I should. But uh, this verse 14, or 13, that talks about being a babe... It's because, it says here, is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Unskillful in the word of righteousness. Across the earth, we're having all manner of natural disasters. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, typhoons, tsunamis, sheer action of, of, of... wind blowing, fires, floods, all kinds of natural disasters, blights of insects, blights of wild animals, blights of, uh, of different types of creatures, disease-carrying creatures, all kinds of challenges are being loosed upon the earth today. And I believe with all my heart, it's because we are truly living in the last days. And so, it is important that we learn, that we learn to work with this author of eternal salvation in that we obey Him. And learning to obey Him is important in this verse 14 of Hebrews 5. But it says, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So discernment plays a very, very serious role in your relationship with the Lord and mine. A very serious role in in that realm of obeying Him, learning to obey the Lord. Very serious time. Now, uh, out of Isaiah chapter twenty eight, twenty nine. Sorry, twenty nine. Uh, there's a word here that talks about a visitation from God. Chapter 29, verse 6. You shall be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder, with earthquake, great noise, storm and tempest, flame of devouring fire. Wow, what a visitation that is. And so, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. We're living in a season right now. We're living in a very, very serious season that in the natural, in the natural, we are seeing all of these convulsions 
of creation, of nature. But it says that the category of them is, is that you're visited of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. And so, some people are having trouble, they're having great difficulty understanding when these calamities take place, that it is indeed the Lord of hosts that is in control. It is the Lord of hosts, the Lord God of armies, that is pleading, that is pleading. On down in verse 8, he says, The multitude of all nations that fight against Mount Zion, that fight against Mount Zion, we are living in the day and in the time when there are those that are fighting against Mount Zion. If you don't think we're living in the last days, just consider what I'm saying here. Uh, Of all of those that are so adamantly against Mount Zion, you say, well, now where's Mount Zion? Well, if you were to go to Zechariah chapter 2, it very clearly, very clearly describes the day that we're living in prophetically. The day that we're living in. Amen. The coast, verse 7, Jeremiah, Zechariah chapter 2. And the coast shall be for a remnant of the house of Judah. Now Ashkelon over in Israel is a coastal area. Tel Aviv along there are coastal areas all the way to Ashkelon. It's a place for the remnant of the house of Judah. And they shall feed thereupon in the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening, for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. Now that is that is fulfilled. That is fulfilled right before our eyes. Right at this moment, people are there and they they sleep right along that coast in Ashkelon. And then it says in verse eight, new paragraph. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, here's that Lord of hosts, now remember his visitation, the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, it says it right there in verse 9 of chapter 2, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah. I've been in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me tell you something. I have dug up out of the ash, pure ash, I have dug up sulfur. And uh, there's sulfur balls all through that ash. And you can literally see the layering of the extreme heat. If you sit and watch a fire burning, you see the ashes begin to form. They don't form in a straight form, do they? According to the consumption of the material that's burning, different ones have different densities as they settle down and burn. Well, that's exactly what it looks like there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says that this is what's going to happen to Moab and Ammon, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Now, you've got to remember who they are. They're the children of incest through Lot. Children of Ammon as Gomorrah. They'll be even as Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Even the breeding of nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them. Now what does that say? The residue of my people shall spoil them. 
Think about this. This is an assignment to me. And the remnant of my people shall possess them. So there's two things that they do. They spoil them and possess them. Thus shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the islands of the heathen. Now, do you see all the categories that I've, I've covered here just in these five verses? Do you realize the authority and the inhabiting and the power and empower and inheritance, the heritage that we have from the, from the continents to the islands? We have tremendous, tremendous authority. I'll give you an example uh, I believe in this authority. We have a lot of yes. teaching, don't we, Brother Shannon? We, we have a lot of teachings today about our authority and kingdom living. Now, I talked with a brother today. He said that he's, he's now living in the kingdom living. He's living in kingdom living. But bless his heart, bless his heart, is he really in kingdom living as I listen to him? <laughs> The, the battles that he's fighting was repeated one after the other in defeat. And I had to stop him and say, wait a minute, brother, you said you're living in kingdom living. You have learned how to live the kingdom living. Well, what are the kingdom principles? What are they? I think it's very clearly talks about here. You will spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. Now, in the New Testament, we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? And so, in the Old Testament, we need to differentiate. There are Christians that have taken sides strongly against Israel concerning the Palestinian situation. Well, there's something many Christians do not understand today, and I hope that they will realize this. Israel is still living under the law. They're still in the law of the flesh, an eye for an eye and and a tooth for a tooth. But you and I, as Christian believers, on the Lord Jesus Christ that are now becoming eating on the meat. We're off the bottle. We're strong. We're in our youth. It doesn't matter chronologically what age you are. If you've been a Christian for 40 years and you have not learned these principles, it's time. It's never too late. It's never too late. You say, well... It's too late for me. I, I have to walk with a walker or I'm in a wheelchair. Or I say, wait a minute. Look at the world we live in today. I see in my travels across the world, I see people all the time in wheelchairs going down the road in these little three-wheeled, four-wheeled carts going down the road, even quadriplegics 
going down the road. So if you're listening tonight and you are you are tied up and sealed up in a body, like our precious dear little Joni Erickson, who's been so faithful to the Lord so many years, who in the prime of her life, diving into the into the water in a wonderful weekend of fellowship up in the New England states, hit the bottom and broke her neck and has been in a wheelchair ever since. But look at her life. She's overcoming in her life. She's taking now. And she teaches. She has radio programs and all. She doesn't let that destroy her. And she has gone to Washington and she has gotten all these little dots for people that are blind. And she's gotten things for uh, little little ramps for people to be able to go off of sidewalks at intersections. And, and she has gone and challenged people that are quadriplegics. Listen, you have a mind yet. You have a mind. You can speak or you can't speak, but you can see and you can think. If you are locked into a body to that magnitude, or if you are in your prime as a young man, remember Isaiah 40, verse 30. Verse 29 says, In that day even the young men shall utterly fall. But, verse 30, they that wait upon the Lord shall, not could, might, maybe, perhaps, but shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles, you're going to soar with the Lord. There's a time of soaring in the Lord. And so I, I want to challenge you in the very beginning tonight, whatever category you are locked into, if it's, if it's a, a doctrinally or physically, if you are locked into something that what I'm going to say tonight just kind of crosses over your, your realm of theology, please bear with me. And I'll do everything I can to give you scripture. I'll do everything I can to to help you to understand the word of God concerning this. Because coming off of the bottle onto the meat is of utmost importance. Of utmost importance. Now, I want to go just a little farther here uh, in, in Zechariah. Because uh, I, I want you to... Uh, I want you to get this thought. We're living in this time in the natural and in the spiritual, right? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 46. However, Paul says with 40, 45 verses about the natural to the celestial and the terrestrial, he says in that verse 46, However, that which was first is not spiritual but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. And so we're still living in a realm where it's important to look into the Old Testament and to see what the natural is so you can understand the spiritual. Israel is still in the very carnal, very natural realm. There's no question about it. But look what it says here in Zechariah chapter 10, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Now, 
I want to ask you a question. If doctrinally you are in a place where you believe that you have arrived and you fully understand the doctrine of the Lord and and you are in a position where some of the things that I'm going to say to you tonight are going to rub you wrong, will you do me a favor? Do the Lord a favor. Please don't shut it off. Don't turn it off. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Because I want to ask you this question. If there's one thing I've learned, people have asked me many, many times, years ago, over there in Great Britain, over in Europe, you that may be listening over there, I walked in Great Britain. I walked for seven years in your country. I also walked in Southern Ireland. And uh, the last trip that I walked in Southern Ireland after praying Belfast, Northern Ireland, praying all up and down the streets in freezing rain, making declarations from the parliament there, or the capital there, of Belfast, to the north, the south, the east, and the west, making declarations concerning the IRA, the Sinn Féin, all of this, this hassle that was going on in Belfast, the divided city. Uh, I walked in the midst of shootings. Uh, my heart was broken. I, there was such heaviness and such oppression. I had a splitting headache. You ever had a splitting headache and you're out walking 16 hours a day in freezing rain where the, the icicles are dripping from the, the highway signs? That's the way it was in Belfast when I walked it another brother and I. And uh, I assure you, it was not a pleasant thing. It was a fiery trial, even though it was cold and icy, and I battled such a headache that the kind that would make my stomach right on the verge of being nauseated. But when God broke that heaviness off of Belfast, I came from finishing praying over the Parliament and making scripture readings and declarations to the north, south, east, and west, all directions, declaring this battle over, taking dominion over this thing, and this wicked principality that was doing much of the things that we're seeing in the Middle East now and in Iraq today, several people, 23 people blown up again. Oh, Father in heaven, this grieves the Lord so much. And people committing... These, these suicidal things to do this. It's so grievous to the Lord, for the Lord says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It, it, it deeply grieves the heart of our Lord what's going on. People swept into eternity without Jesus. But uh, as I walked and prayed, people asked me, oh, i got to tell you this, what happened when I finished there, making the declarations around Belfast. Coming back out through the checkpoint, the military checkpoint gate, the area where they all the accesses to the parliament, they had uh, half tracks, if you don't know what that is, like a half tank and half truck, and uh, British soldiers there. And one was inside the half track, like in the tank with the lid up, and uh, as I approached it, all of a sudden, my headache left. I had had that headache every moment, every hour of the days I walked in Belfast. When that headache lifted off of me just as I was approaching that checkpoint with the British troops with their guns and all, 
I threw my hands up, started to shout, Hallelujah, my headache's gone. <laughs> and God. as I th- looked into the heavens, now people, every day we walked in Belfast there in late November, late November, it was so dark over Belfast that the street lights stayed on all day long. They never, they never went off. And when I threw my hands up to holler hallelujah, I looked up and a patch of blue sky opened directly overhead. And that patch of glue, like a giant eye, was opening bigger and bigger and bigger. We have it on video. The brother that was with me lifted his camera up and began to pan around as that patch of blue went back off receding, that patch of dark sky. And and the sun came out and people came out and... When I saw that patch of blue, I pointed up and I said, look, I shouted, look. And when I did, those poor British soldiers dove under that half track. The fella inside the hatch thing (laughs) pulled the hatch down, and I hollered out. I said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's no one up there going to drop a bomb or shoot on you. The heavens are opening up. The covenant with death over this city is finished. It is finished. This death and all of this destruction and fighting and killing is over. It's finished in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have broken through the heavens, and there is victory at last. Well, I don't know if you realize that. That was under the Clinton administration at that time. About ten days later, President Clinton went over there, and... uh, It's interesting. He went over there. You know, he had some Irish roots. And uh, our President Obama has some Irish connections through his mother. I don't know if you realize that, too, but uh, he got over there, too, but just recently. But President Clinton went over, and there was an agreement, a treaty signed. Now, we went down to Dublin and we walked and prayed around the Parliament of Dublin. And the night that we walked and prayed, they were going to oust Charlie. They called him Charlie. That's the leader of Southern Ireland. And uh, people were there with clubs, with rocks by the thousands. The media was there. Irish television was there on top of their big vans with their cameras rolling because the people were so angry with whatever bill had been passed, probably raising the taxes or something, by the Parliament, and they were going to storm the Parliament, and the riot police were there, and they were standing all just loaded inside the grounds and manning the gates. And uh, and we walked until 2 in the morning, a circle around that massive gathering. And when we walked around that and broke that, taking our authority... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that violent, angry spirit, if you're in Southern Ireland, you will remember this night. This would have been back under the Clinton administration. But you will remember that as well. Thousands and thousands of people. When we finished the circle, we went the outer circle around. A policeman met us, Irish police officer, and said, I recommend you go to your hotel. It could get very dangerous here very in any moment. And uh, so we thanked him very much, and we walked back like we were going back away. We went to the outer area of the demonstration, 
it took us from 7 o'clock that night till 2 in the morning to walk the complete circle around that massive gathering around their, their government building, parliament. And when we finished that circle, the crowds dropped their... their <laughs> the picture on the front page of the Dublin newspaper the next morning was clubs, boards, bricks, rocks, everywhere, all around the streets and buildings, all around Dublin there, around the parliament. They had to clean up. But not one rock was thrown. Not one bit of violence occurred. After that was the treaty between the North and the South regarding the bitternesses that they had. And then in the next year, I was in Lima, Ohio at a church there and was walking down the aisle with a pastor before the service was to begin. And they were playing a song I had never heard before. And the title of it is Revival in Belfast. And I want to tell you something. We love this city and we love this street. Every child out playing by their own front door. Every baby laying on the bedroom floor. The wording of that song came on in that church and I fell right in the aisle right next to that pastor weeping and sobbing at the words of that song. Finally, I looked up at him who said, Are you all right, brother? And I said, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. He says, You don't look like it or sound like it. You're in a puddle of tears. I said, Brother, who wrote that song? Where did that song come from? Are you play You're playing a song here, aren't you? I didn't know if I was hearing from heaven or what. And it was revival. And I think that's Robin Mark or something like that is his name. Is the one, uh, the name of a revival in Belfast. That song said exactly what took place in Belfast. So you see, I, I just want to begin tonight by challenging you. Come off of the bottle. Come off of the, the, the bottle and get on the meat. Now, how do you know? If you are losing your song, in this verse 10 it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Now that's Israel in the natural, yes. But we are also the people of Zion. The Christians are the spiritual Zion. If you are guarding and protecting your, your, your doctrine so strongly that you have lost your joy and you can't sing and rejoice as a son, a daughter of Zion, then you need to listen to what we're saying tonight, brothers, sisters. Believe me, you need to. Because nothing, nothing is as important to our Lord as you being able to sing and rejoice, O daughter and son of Zion, because the Lord says He inhabits the praises of His people. I was praying this afternoon and I was asking the Lord, Lord, where do you want to go with this this evening? And now that I hear my own words and I hear how he's taking me, people, I know you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. I know you know that this is a new day in many of your lives. This is a new season for you. It's springtime here in Iowa. I was just out for a few minutes looking over my, my flower beds that I worked so hard at here a few days ago before the rains came and 
now the crocuses are up, the daffodils are blooming, and uh, and the tulips are coming up out of the ground, and uh, oh my word, the the chrysanthemums are coming up, and the irises are coming up, and I'm all excited. <laughs> Spring is here, people. Amen. Spring, the new life. Spring is new beginnings, isn't it? For the winter is past and gone, and a new season has begun. And have you ever noticed, I love gardening. I don't get too much anymore. I, I've, I've been too many years now gone from home at the time, but I do come home long enough to take care of my flower beds, go away, come back and weed them and manicure them in the yard a bit. And Our sons take care of the yard the rest of the year, but they're not weeders. They're not manicurers. They're not gardeners. So Dad has to come back often enough to take care of that. But I love it. I love my hands in the in the soil because you know this time of year I can take a I can take a plant and uh, I can stick a stick in the ground and it will grow it will grow you can take a, a grapevine and prune a section of it off and stick it in the ground right now and I'll tell you what in just a short time the leaves will begin to come out on that vine and you will have a grapevine. You don't even have to put a seed in the ground. Just cut a clipping off and put a stick in there. Of course, now grass is that way too. Every little clip of that grass wants to regrow. But this is a new season in our life, church. It grieves me across America, the Bible Belt of America, you that are listening across the Bible Belt of America, you that are listening in France or England, where these these heavy rains have been, these record-breaking snows, and, and you over in Texas where these these fires have raged and, and the drought has come, cry out to the Lord and find out why these things are taking place and and take your position and stand strong in the Lord and allow the Lord... To be God in your circumstance. Allow the Lord to break loose and to be God. Because here he says, O daughter of Zion, sing and rejoice. So it is so important that your relationship with the Lord allows you to sing and rejoice. If you have lost your joy then please recognize you have lost a place of a welcome mat to the Lord to inhabit. That is a number one key. You heard me last time on the program. People ask me, Henry, how can you walk and pray so many hours a day, 12, 16 hours a day? I don't do it anymore, people, okay? I'm, I'm hitting 70 years old, but... I'm, I'm mainly out teaching it and doing it now. We we do it. I just came from Japan, and uh, believe me, we walked and prayed five, six days a week. Uh, we went down into caves. We went up on mountains. Yes, I still climb mountains and things like that. But I want to tell you something. How I do it, as I said last time on the air, but I'll just reiterate for you that didn't hear. People ask, well, how do you keep this kind of strength? I'll tell you exactly how. I've learned how to sing and rejoice as the daughter of Zion. You say, well, why would you call yourself the daughter of Zion? Bless your heart. 
Do you realize Revelation 19? If you are the bride, the body of Christ, you're the daughter of Zion. You're the daughter. That's the feminine side. And we're going to have a glorious marriage where we will be married to the Lord Jesus Christ. This simply means we're going to become one with Him. We're going to be like Him. We'll be as He is. He'll always be the head, just like the man in in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter chapter six talks about uh, the head and the the wife and the, how the man is the head of the church. The man is the head of the woman. We will never be the head, but we are the body, and the Scripture is very clear on that. Brother Langford, if you were here, you'd be quoting book, chapter, and verse for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brother Henry, uh, David Langford, good friend of mine. He, we've had him on oh, several times. Oh, is that right? I might have known, Shannon. <laughs> I might have known. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. He's a, he's a precious brother. I love him. Yes, he is. I love him. He's, he's, he's good people. I love to be around people. And, and people, just because he's, he's a walking Bible, don't think he doesn't have tests and trials. Let me tell you, he has his, his full share. You know, on, on the humorous side, uh, I was at his church preaching a few years ago. And uh, I had preached for three days and been on the air with David during the day. And uh, I finished that Sunday night in his church, and uh, people, I, uh, you, you, you've noticed already probably, I don't preach a 30-minute sermon. I I generally go for an hour, hour and a half, okay? So, My favorite. <laughs> or three hours or four hours. Uh, <laughs> this is the exception, believe me. I don't normally go for four hours, but... Uh, uh, I had finished and and I was tired. It had been a we'd walked and prayed. We had we had been. It was a very busy schedule up there with Brother Langford, and or uh, over there I guess you'd say south. But uh, uh, I was sitting there on the front pew. Most of the people were gone, and this little guy. He didn't look to be over three three years old, four or something. He just where he could begin to talk, and. Uh, he come up in front of me, put his hands on his hips, and looked right. I was bending over with my elbows on my knees, my chin in my hands, and looking down, kind of just relaxing a few minutes. And all of a sudden, this little guy comes right in my view, looking me right up in the face, hands on hips, and he looks right up in my face, and he begins to shake his head, and he says, You're old. Yeah, you're very old. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I loved it. I laughed and I said, yes, 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 I am. I, I've got a lot of miles on me. I said, I don't know if you understand that, but I've gone a long, long ways. It took you a little bit to walk up here from your mama over there. Uh, I walked a long time and uh, maybe I looked like I'm old, all right. And about that time, here comes his mama and scoops him up and says, Johnny, leave Brother Henry alone. He's tired. <laughs> I said, oh, it's all right. It's all right. Those little things like that, I never feel bad about. Uh, I don't care how many wrinkles I have. Uh, I don't care how weather-beaten I look. Uh, 
that isn't the issue. The issue is, is that we have been predestined to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been predestined to become like Him, be as He is. Oh, hallelujah. So, I'm working on that. I'm working on that because this old corruption is going to take on incorruption. This mortal is going to take on immortality. Each day I'm getting older, I realize that. But you know what? I'm getting closer to immortality. I'm getting closer to incorruption where I cannot be corrupted. I cannot, truly cannot ever, ever, ever feel aches and pains again. I cannot ever, ever fail my Lord again. I cannot ever, ever be wearied or be saddened by the conflict of man and his hardness, stubbornness and rebellion and bitterness and violence. No, that day's coming. That day's coming. So I just want to leave that with you, what it says there. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for look, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of you, saith the Lord. I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I want you to dwell right in the middle of me. I want you to dwell... And so you see, that goes right along, that goes right along with sing and rejoice, for I will dwell in the midst of you. Verse 11 there says, And many nations, many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. I ask you a question. What are you doing sitting around waiting for those nations to be joined to the Lord when you could be out there witnessing the fulfillment of that verse right there. Think about it with me, people. Think about it with me. The very fact that you have tuned in at this moment to hear this means that the Spirit of God is calling you. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. The Spirit of God wants you to come forward and come alive. The Spirit of God is calling you to the ministry. Oh, you say, no, 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 Henry. I'm, I'm not a minister. I, uh, I never will be. I never will be. I, I don't qualify. Is that right? you really believe that? Do you really and truthfully believe that you're not a minister? Do you really believe that you have nothing to do? You say, I don't have any call on my life, Henry. You do. I want to give you a scripture here. If you really were just saying that with me, no, I'm not a minister, I'm not in the ministry, I want you to note down here, take you a pencil and paper, look this up later or something, or look it up now, it's up to you. Don't lose your place there in Zechariah 2. But in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4, 
Second Corinthians chapter 4. I've jumped over into the New Testament. Let's see if you're a minister or not. Seeing therefore we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Did you hear that? Have you received mercy? If you have received mercy from God, then you have a ministry. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced. That's exactly what I've been doing. I received mercy from the Lord. I went into northern Belfast, southern and into Dublin and Southern Ireland, I had received mercy. So I went in, and I didn't faint. But I renounced, as verse 2 says there, of first and Second Corinthians chapter 4, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the Word of God deceitfully. Do you realize how many years... How many precious souls died with so-called Christians and Catholics killing one another in Ireland? Not only Ireland, but I just missed, I mean by five minutes, I missed being blown up by the IRA in Victoria Station in London, the coach station. I was there <laughs> to catch my, my coach or bus up to Birmingham, England. And another brother was with me. It was a Friday night, and if you live in England, you know what I mean. You better buy a reserve seat or your chance of getting on that coach is virtually nil. You may get on the second or the third one, but you're not going to get on the first one. You better have a reserve seat, especially on a Friday night after 5 o'clock. And so I was with that brother. We were the three, number three in line. Number three in line to get on that coach. But I looked at the multitude of people that came in and were lined up behind us. I said to the brother with me, I've got to go get a reserve seat for us. We'll never get out here, maybe not even tonight or until 10 o'clock, and we'll be late getting in Birmingham. Birmingham, as you say in England. <laughs> but uh, I I headed back to go get through this mass of people to go get reserved seats, and a shorter man was jumping up in the crowd, looking around, and he seemed to catch sight of me, and he hollered, "You, sir!" As he was jumping up, he'd jump up and he would point in my direction. I looked around, and then. As he jumped up one time, I pointed at me and said, You mean me? And he, he was about 20 feet from me. And he said, Yes, you, sir, please come here, come to me. And so I made my way to him. And he said to me, he said, I was right behind you in the line when you bought the ticket for the coach. But he said, You left your wallet on the counter. And he said, you disappeared in the crowd after you purchased the ticket. And I looked for you. I couldn't see where you went. So I gave the wallet to the man at the, at the cashier selling the tickets. 
and told him I would go find you. I would catch you. I'd be right back. And I've been looking for you. Go to that counter. But the man behind the counter said, go to the security gate. They will bring you in down behind the counter because if you try to get in line, you won't get you won't get in, in, in time to get, get your wallet before your coach leaves. So go to the security gate and tell them you are the, the man that left your wallet. So I said, oh, thank you very much. I said, I didn't even realize I didn't have my wallet. <laughs> and so I head to the gate and the man says, oh, yes, this is true. So he brings me inside where all the cashiers are, down the line, to where my wallet is. The man hands me my wallet. I hand him our two tickets and I said, is there any chance I could convert this over to reserve seats? He says, yes, that'll be two pounds something. And I said, uh, times two. I said, that's fine. And uh, I opened my wallet and paid him <laughs> the wallet he had just given me that I'd left behind. And I made my way back in line, number three and four in line. We got on that coach. We were not out of the Victoria Station more than five minutes. This would have been in the 1990s, I think about 1991. Okay, for you that live in England, you'll remember this on the news. A terrible explosion took place in the Victoria Coach Station. Fourteen people were blown beyond recognition and I forget how many were killed. It was unbelievable. God have mercy. That was a miracle. Oh, you got out. Horrible. It was horrible. We went back to London a week and a half later, and uh, they had opened up lines otherwhere, in other places, for buses to get on while they were trying to do work, but they had to take the roof off up above, and completely because that explosion had bent that big I-beam that came from the ground up to the ceiling. It had bent it like a C. And that I-beam was a foot, at least 10 to 12 inches of an I-beam coming out of the concrete going up to hold up the roof, that beam on the roof. It bent that thing in a C shape. And we were standing, they had put it in that trash can and we were standing right beside that cat trash can. So, dear Mark Killeen and I would not be here today, we would be in heaven, if that man would not have, would not have found me and got me to where I could get my wallet and we could get the reserve seat. That was the hand of the Lord. Now, people, that was the very trip. That was the very trip that we also prayed Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. So think about it. We were on a mission. We were on a divine appointment, an assignment of Almighty God with the Lord of hosts. And He protected us to be sure we finished that mission. People were killed in the Victoria Station, yes, and I feel badly for those that lost their life. I do. But look how many lives have not been taken now after these, this treaty between Northern and Southern Ireland, and they're not bombing and killing each other now. Thank God for yes. that. The Lord is so good. He's so faithful. So you see, you have received mercy. So you have this ministry. 
And if you've received that mercy, you faint not. Why? Because you have this ministry. When you faint, you do not activate the ministry God has given you. Do you understand that? You see, I'll tell you, when I was 19 uh, years old, I preached my first sermon. (laughs) It, it It was difficult. Oh boy, it was hard. And a dear brother that I highly looked up to would come to our house, an evangelist, and he always stayed in our house every year he came. Came to our house, and uh, I was scheduled to preach in this church before he would preach in the church that we normally attended. And uh, it was going to be my first sermon. And so he came with my parents to hear me, and I, I looked up to this man. His name was, we just called him Brother Jones. A dear Welshman, that's a good Welsh name, isn't it? Jones, you people there in Great Britain. Uh, a lot of Joneses across the border from you, from England, isn't there? Yes, but uh, anyhow, uh, he heard my first sermon. Well, do you know what the essence of my first sermon was? That afternoon when I was on my knees in my bedroom, crying out to the Lord, nervous as all get out, because I didn't know how long or what I would be able to preach. It scared me to think of getting in front of people preaching, especially a different church where I wasn't familiar with the people. And God gave me a vision. And in the vision, I was walking, all bent over, looking down, and I was saying, Lord, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And I just kept saying it, walking, looking down. And all I could see in the vision was like through my own eyes, looking at the ground as I'm walking along. And all of a sudden, the voice spoke spoke to me and said, Look up. And I looked to when I turned my head to look up, my head bumped fruit, beautiful fruit, hanging from this tree right over my head. And I realized I was walking in the most beautiful fruit orchard that was filled with many kinds of fruit. All I had to do was reach just almost eye level and pick that fruit and eat. And the Lord said to me, Henry, don't be afraid. Just trust me. I will put the words in your mouth. I will give you what to say. And the fear and all left me. And I went up there that night to to share my vision and my work of walking and praying. And, uh, oh, I tell you, dear Brother Jones, dear Brother Jones, he said to Mother and Dad after that, Henry's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. He's going to be a good preacher. Well, I don't look at myself as a preacher. I'm a prayer walker. But uh, I know one thing. The Apostle Paul says, we speak what we know and we testify of what we've seen and heard. And so I can truly testify of what I've seen. And so you'll find the major portion of whatever I say is from what I've learned from the Word and how... I have put to work this ministry and not fainted.
You see, in that vision, he was showing me at 19 how easy I could have fainted when the fruit, if I had just looked up, would be bumping me in the head. And the fruit of the Spirit is that way. The fruit of the Spirit, remember? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, hmm. There's that joy again. Can you can you be full of can you be joyful and not rejoice? I don't think so. Love, joy, peace, meekness, gentleness, temperance, long suffering, kindness. Against such there is no law. No law. And so we'll go back to Zechariah now. Uh back to Zechariah and uh I want to I want to get on down to this point verse 11 here of chapter 2 of Zechariah. What I challenged you with a while ago, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. Do you believe this is the day of the Lord? Brother Shannon, I want to tell you something. The yes, very sir. fact of what your program is doing at this very moment is a fulfillment, a fulfillment of that verse 11 right there. Do you realize that? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother, many nations (laughs) are being joined to the Lord right now. You may be a Muslim out there listening tonight, and please don't let it irritate you that that I'm referring to Israel. I want you to realize, realize this well, that the God of Israel loves you He loves you just as much as He loves Israel. He loves you just as much as He loves us Gentiles who don't have Abraham to our father. He loves you, and He doesn't desire that one of you would ever perish. He gave His life. I know in your book, the Quran, it does not say that Jesus died and rose from the dead. But I want you to understand, He did. He died and rose from the dead and is alive. I was preaching one night in a city, in a city-wide meeting, about four years ago. And I was speaking about the differences of religions. And religions. And I was not being sarcastic. I was not being critical of, of the Buddhists, of the Hindus, of the Muslims. I don't believe in being critical of, of you if, if you're not of my, my form of doctrine or belief. It, it will never help you for me to be critical of you. It will never do a thing for you. It only genders bitterness. It only brings about horrible bitterness and revenge. And I hate that because the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And the Lord is faithful to repay when it comes to vengeance. But... Uh, I was preaching that night and I was sharing the differences of religions, different religions that I have walked and prayed in and and was just sharing the difference of their belief, not being critical of them. And then I shared Jesus and I shared regarding Islam and how in Islam that Jesus uh, is taught as a great prophet and he's highly respected and revered as a great prophet but not as the Son of God. And I said, you know something? If Jesus is just a great prophet, 
and not the Son of God. And if he didn't bear those 39 stripes with a cat of nine tails in that judgment hall under those Roman soldiers, if he did not bear those stripes, and if he was not nailed to that cross and did not conquer death, hell, and the grave, cried with a loud voice, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't lay this sin to their charge. If he didn't do that, if he didn't go into that grave and didn't come back from the dead to living and is not at the right hand of the Father, Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Ishmael, the God of those that will call upon his holy name, if he didn't do that, then I said to the people, then I wouldn't be here tonight. And I told them because I was eaten up with cancer, I was stage five, and the doctors had said you have less than 11 days to live. And if you don't drink more water than I've seen you drink, they sicked a doctor on me at a restaurant, and that glass of water sit there in front of me. All the time that doctor was questioning me, and the doctor said to me, I know how sick a man you are. You should be in hospice or you should go home and be with your family the last days that you have, for you are stage five. The cancer had metastasized into my backbone. I had gone into convulsions for six hours and cried out when I came to. I, the pain would be so bad I'd pass out, and when I would come to, I would be crying out to the Lord. Then I would pass out again. The pain was so terrible. But... If Jesus didn't do all that, then why, why when I cried out to him, did he heal me? Yes. I, he was the only one I was crying out to. I was not crying out to any other God. But he totally, instantly healed me on the 11th day, the day the doctor said, you won't live more than 11 days. <laughs> The 11th day, there's my famous 11. We have a lot of famous 11s today. <laughs> Praise this God. Last year we had March the 11th, and uh, that was the terrible earthquake and tsunami in Japan. And then in 2001, we had September the 11th, didn't we? So we had a lot of 11s. Yes. There are a lot of 11s. But uh, that was my 11 day, and God completely, totally... When I said that, then I was to sit down while these... Uh, people were going to do another little presentation, then I would come up and finish my presentation. And uh, so I went and sat down in front where they had saved a seat for me. And uh, I was just with these people just uh, about three weeks ago that I'm giving you the testimony of, and this was five years ago, I think about five years, four or five years ago now, last February. But uh, I went and sat in the in the seat that they had uh, prepared for me, and uh, this man to my right said to me, he said, uh, "I I see that you understand a little bit about Islam," and I said, uh, "Yeah, a little bit." And I looked at him, and I realized he was Muslim. He was he was Middle Eastern Islamic uh, looking, and uh, and he said, uh, well, he said, I am a Muslim, a very devout Muslim from Tehran, Iran. And he said, uh, my wife here has come with me because 
I wanted to hear you because you're American. I was in a foreign country when I, I shared this. And he said, uh, it was advertised you would be speaking on world events and nations. And I didn't know it was advertised. I, I thought it would be advertised walking, speaking on prayer walking, but they slipped one in on me on the newspaper. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say it. I, I, I talk about world events because of my testimonies around the world. But... Uh, he came thinking I was going to talk, I think, about politics. Instead, I talked about religion. But uh, he said, well, in the Quran, he said, uh, we only know Jesus as, a, fa- as, as a, a prophet. But you said up there that not only is he a prophet, but he's the son of God, born of a virgin, Mary, that he has received stripes on his back for your healing and for whoever would believe him. I said, yes, that's true. He said, my wife here who came with me, she's she's stage 5 cancer, and she could die at any time. She's afraid she'd die with me away, so she came with me in the taxi to the meeting. He said, then if this Jesus, this great prophet, is the Son of God, and he has the power to heal, and he healed you, would he heal my wife? I didn't even hesitate. I didn't even think. A Muslim normally will never take hands of a of a non-Muslim. I just said, give me your hands in agreement. I'll pray for you. And both of them, the lady reached her, her left arm around, around her husband, and he gave me one hand, and I put my hand, one hand under his and one on top of his, hers. And I began to pray. And all of a sudden, she jumped up, pulled her hand away very quickly, and I opened my eyes when she did, because I didn't know what was going to (laughs) happen. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, are they offended and going to go after me? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. I don't think it takes any imagination. Uh, uh, You know, I, I just opened my eyes, and she jumped up and was standing in front of the two of us, And she was bending over, twisting different directions and all. And all of a sudden, she looked at her husband and the tears shot down her face. And she said, there is no pain. I believe my cancer is gone. She was instantly healed. Praise God. Healed. Well, bless their hearts, they have come to call upon the name of Jesus as their Messiah. They have now accepted Jesus. Their son and their daughter has accepted Jesus. He is a professor. I won't tell you of what category, but uh, he is a professor. And uh, he has had people, I was just with them in their home, had a barbecue in their home here about three weeks ago and uh, had a wonderful time with them in that country that I was in. And they are leading people to Jesus. They are testifying to Islamic people about this Jesus that is truly God and is the healer and Savior. So you see, I've received mercy. So I have this ministry, and I don't faint. And whatever category of mercy the Lord has brought you into 
whatever God has done for you in showing you His mercy, it has categorically registered you to be a minister. In other words, freely you have received, for in that act of God's mercy, you have received a wonderful liberty or deliverance or blessing. Now, share that blessing. He isn't asking you to go out and preach an hour sermon or a five-minute sermon. He's asking you to just simply take to heart and share with these nations that are going to be brought over to the Lord in this day. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. So you see out there across the earth, people, it doesn't matter what nation you're of. God's chosen people are Israel. Hey, you are chosen people. If you are going to be joined to the Lord, you become God's chosen people as well. Do you realize that? Please understand that. And you'll be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of you, it says. I'll dwell in the middle of you. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. The Lord of armies has sent me unto you. Tonight the Lord of hosts has come to you. And he's pleading with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, he's pleading with you right now. Let these words burn in your heart to recognize the only thing different between you and ourselves that are are promoting this program is maybe you have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You've never outright just come right out and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't like this sin. I know it's pleasurable for a short time, but afterwards I feel so horrible. I feel so condemned. I don't want to be condemned anymore. If you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved right now. Just call on the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my body, mind, and spirit. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash away all my sins with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. I believe the blood in the judgment hall was for judgment and condemnation that I should be experiencing in my life. But I believe you carried it for me. You bore my griefs and my sorrows. You were stricken and smitten. You were cursed that I might be a blessing. You were afflicted that I might be healed. I believe that, Jesus. Now come into my life and be my God, be my Savior Help me to learn to trust you in all ways and to acknowledge your glorious name and to look to you and trust you to make me strong enough to live as a, 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 an overcoming believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you right now, if you'll do that, he will do that for you. He'll come into your heart and life right now. Romans says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Just confess Jesus as the Son of God, as the one who died for your sins. If you will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you've got to believe in your heart, and then confess with your mouth, you will be saved. 
if you've done that, if you've done that, please write to Brother Shannon or write to us over there here in Woodbine, Iowa, Post Office Box 144, Woodbine, Iowa, 51579, Post Office Box 144, Woodbine, W-O-D, B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, I-O-W-A, 51579. Henry Groover, or Joyful Sound Ministries, or or Mega Radio, uh, our brother Shannon, right, he'll, he'll be giving you information too. But let us know, let us know. We want to know. And if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll get you one. All right? We'll get one sent off to you, for sure. And uh, if, if you're not of English language, uh, and somebody's interpreting this, let us know what language you are. We'll do everything we can to get whatever language you are. I can't promise everyone. I'd love to, but uh, whatever language, and we'll do our best to get you one. Brother Groover, we also want to welcome some people just tuning in. I see right now from Australia, down under. So praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Down in Australia, down under. <laughs> Bless you, a... Aussies. I've got a daughter there <laughs> and a son-in-law over there in Childers. And uh, she's an, they're avocado farmers, so I get to Australia every so often. So let us know where you are, all right? Praise the Lord. Bless you. We love having you join in with us. We love you, people of Australia. The Lord loves you very much. Very much. We're talking about a subject that maybe it doesn't sound like we're talking about, and speaking and teaching spiritual warfare, but I've been teaching the very, very basic principle of spiritual warfare, of how to overcome spiritually and not be overcome, how to be a warrior, W-A-R-R-I-O-R, instead of a W-O-R-R-I-E-R. You know the difference, warrior versus warrior. Wow, it sounds strange on the radio, doesn't it? <laughs> Are you a warrior or a warrior? Are you warring? Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Or are you worrying, burning a lot of good energy? If you're doing that, you need to learn how to be a warrior. A warrior. So we've been talking here out of Zechariah chapter 2. We've been talking out of Hebrews chapter 5. We've been talking out of uh, Corinthians. We've been talking out of Ephesians. Uh, we've been jumping all over here. But I, I'm, using, I'm using the scriptural, the Bible ref, reference for Israel or the children of Israel or Judah I'm using them as a natural example for a spiritual spiritual action of which you and I as Christians, believers, we are the spiritual. We are the spiritual side. He, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46 I gave a while. So... Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. I, I talked to you about uh, rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. And, and we've talked about if you don't have a good level of joy 
in sharing the Lord, in your daily personal time with the Lord, then you're taking you're taking everything that you you have uh, too seriously, far too seriously. Uh, Proverbs three verse six: In all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and He will direct your path. You see that? You know what that the definition of that is called? In my prayer walking book, I have a prayer walking book. Uh, called uh, uh, Crosswise, a prayer walker's handbook. It's 107 pages. It has full index scripture and word index in it, so it can be used like in teaching Bible classes and things like that. Uh, I don't put a price on it. It's just up to you, whatever you would want to uh, send as an offering for it. But... uh, in it is a, a full chapter called Don't Take It Personally. And believe me, you need you need desperately to understand this principle. If in all your ways you acknowledge the Lord that He may direct your path, then you don't take it personally. Now an example of this is, uh, an example of taking it personally, uh, in a lot of our cities of America, and I'm noticing it in many foreign cities, there's graffiti on the bridges, on the walls, uh, on the trains now in America. Many of our trains have this artwork on them of young gangs, and they're putting their message on them and their logo of their gang and uh, marking their territories. It's uh, Marking your territory is a very animalistic thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, if you don't think so, just watch dogs and cats. They go around and they mark their territory. If you've ever had one wet on your tires of your, your car or your truck, uh, he's marking your territory. And uh, that's the way they do. But uh, So it is a very animalistic thing. No, uh, Nothing personal to you if you're a gang member. But uh, you want to mark your territory. You want to mark where you are and, uh, hey, don't cross this line. It, uh, it's a famous thing in the world, in warfare, in the natural, in the wrong way. But uh, if you are able in all, how much is all, all your ways to acknowledge him that he shall direct your path, then you are living a life where you're not taking it personally because you're taking it instantly to the Lord. To take it instantly to the Lord. Then in that Hebrews chapter 5, remember we were talking in the first part of this session, we were talking about Hebrews chapter 5, and the Lord, who is of the order of Melchizedek, the highest priesthood, There is no higher, for it has no beginning of days or end of days, right? And then we went into that chapter 5, to the last part of it, talking about being on the milk and not the meat, because we were unskillful in the word of righteousness. If you're unskillful in the word of righteousness, then you're a babe, it says there in verse 13 of Hebrews 5. So if you're unskillful in the word of righteousness, then what does that say to you? How how good of a job can you get if you're not skilled? 
if you're not a skilled labor person, you're going to have to do hard labor. But if you're skilled, it is not hard labor. Okay? So it says, if you're a babe, you're still on the milk and not the meat. But it says, verse 14, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Both good and evil. Now think about this. Do you have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil? Think about this. What is your position in the Lord? Hebrews chapter 1 says, God who at sundry times and in different manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding of all things by the word of his power. You see how skillful he is as Almighty God, as the Son of God? Upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hallelujah. Now get that wording there. What he did. The express image of the person of God upholding all things by the word of his power. I was, uh, I was walking and praying in Swansea, South Wales, right up King's Way there. Uh, I think it's King's Way. It's right across the street from St. Mary's uh, Anglican Cathedral. You that are in Swansea area are familiar with it. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. Yes, God speaks to me. I have a God that talks, believe it or not. And if I will listen, he will speak to me. <laughs> I don't like to serve a God that never talks to me. I'm sorry. Uh, my God is alive, and I want, I want to serve a God that is living and a God that loves to speak. He says, my sheep know my voice, and another's will they not hear. So yes, absolutely, I hear the voice of God. I can't say that I audibly always hear it. There have been a few times that I have. But uh, he spoke to me, to my spirit, and he said these words to me. Henry, do you believe that I am seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints all over the world? And I said, yes, Lord, I believe that. It's in your word. And so I went on walking and praying. It was raining. It rains a lot in, in Wales. And as I was walking and praying, the Lord spoke to me again the same thing. Only like it was a little different emphasis. Henry, do you really believe that I am seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints all over the world? And I said, yes, Lord. It's your word. I believe it. 
I began to be a little disturbed about this. And so I was walking and just praying. Then I quieted my spirit, and he spoke to me again. Henry, do you really believe that right now I am seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for the saints all over the world? That so stirred my spirit I put the umbrella behind my back, faced a red brick wall of a lovely upper-class store right there across from St. Mary's uh, Church, and uh, began to weep, just hiding kind of behind that umbrella as people were walking by. And here's what I said. I'll never forget that. You don't forget times like that. I said, Lord Jesus, You know that I believe. You know it. It's in your word. You know that I believe you're at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints all over the world. I believe it with all my heart. And he spoke to me again. And he said, Then who is praying for the sinners? And I said, Lord, that's what I'm doing, walking and praying. Whenever I see sin, if I see graffiti or I see a person committing sin, what I know to be a transgression of your word and your, of your will, I immediately ask you to forgive it and I ask you to pour your love and your goodness upon the sinner that leads them to repentance. I'm doing that. And the Lord said to me, Yes, I know you are but my church is not. I want you to go home and I want you to begin to teach the people in the church across the nation you came from, across the nation of Great Britain. I want you to teach them all over the world. I'm praying for the for the saints so that my people will pray for the sinners. Do you understand that now? You see, we we take that scripture just so lightly where it says, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. But saints, we should be, we have received mercy because of this. We should be praying for the sinners. Preach it, Brother Henry. I have never heard anybody preach that before. I don't know how we've missed this. Oh, I tell you, Brother Shannon, it, 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 it's sad. It's sad because I came back to America and uh, was preaching this, and uh, people said, what are you? What are you trying to make yourself? Who Who are we that we can remit sins? And who are we that we can do this? And I said, we are people that have received the mercy of God. We are people that have have received the grace of Almighty God. And we, having received this freely, the Bible is so clear, if you freely received it, you can freely give it. But are we freely giving it? Are we interceding for the sinners? 
remember in my testimony there in the previous session how I said that I began at 18 years of age and I was so afraid to talk to people about Jesus. I would reach out with a tract to try to get them to take it and all I could say was please, you know, and they might take it or they might just push it away. And the Lord said to me that night, He said to me, Henry, you're afraid to talk to people about me, aren't you? Remember that testimony? I took that track and I held it up and I looked up into the heavens off of those streets of Phoenix, Arizona that night in 1961, January of 61. And I looked up and I said, Yes, Lord. I said, No, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm afraid to talk to people about you, but I'm not ashamed of you or I wouldn't be out here handing out these tracks. And the Lord said to me these words, I know you're afraid to talk to people about me, but will you talk to me about people? You see, that's a very similar thing, isn't it? These are things that I have personally received from the Lord that have shaped and formed the discipline of my life in prayer walking. These are very vital and important truths. And so I said, Lord, yes, I can I can pray for people. And he said to me, the moment you lay eyes on a person approaching them to hand them a track, start talking to me about whatever comes to your mind. Whatever your first thoughts are of that person, talk to me about it. And I said, I can do that. Wow, that means praying for people. And of course, I slapped my forehead and said, duh, talking to God is praying. <laughs> but uh, you see the difference there. Uh, and this is where you, you have received mercy because you have talked to the Lord. Even you that have just given your heart to the Lord tonight, you have now received mercy. And so now, the Lord doesn't expect you to go out and start preaching right away. But He does, even as you've learned, as you've talked to Him, He heard you, and He heard your cry, He heard your repentance, and He has forgiven you. And so, talk to the Lord now about others who are in sin. Ask Him to forgive them. You don't have to do it out loud. You can just do it silently, but do it from your heart. Sincerely asking the Lord to forgive them. Sincerely praying for the sinner. That's what it means by praying for the sinner, because He's praying for the saints. Pray for the sinner. Don't condemn them. Don't point the finger. In Isaiah it says, put away the forward lips and the pointing of the finger. Put it away from you, the Lord says. Aha, I caught you. That's sin. No, no, don't do that. Pray for them and ask God to forgive them. That the, the beauty and the preaching of the truth may come forth. And the beauty of God's love may shine completely and fully through you. Amen? Brother Gruber, let me interject a question there. And folks, if you're just tuning in, we're honored to have Brother Henry Groover on tonight. His website, henrygroover.com. And 
Also, joyfulsoundministries.com. Is that correct, Brother Henry? That's correct. You're talking about remitting sins. Is that correct would be the term? That's right. Mm -hmm. So when we ask the Lord to forgive the person of their transgressions against him in Jesus' name, what actually takes place in the Spirit at that point in time? Is that sin forgiven, or does that uh, just break the uh, the bondage on them, and it allows the um, some ministry to go forth for them? What actually takes place at that point? So you gave also the example of the Muslims, and so often, you know, we look at them as uh, people that blow each other up, and we get angry. I know that I have, but I had the wrong attitude. And I repent tonight. What I needed to be doing is asking the Lord to forgive them, for they know not what they do, yes. and to have mercy on them. What takes place when you do that? What takes place, if you look up the word in the King James translation, the King James translation, when it speaks of this in John 20, verse 23, uh, it's, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now those are the first words of our Lord to his disciples who were locked in the room for fear of the Jews. Those are the first words of instruction. Now, in that, when you look up and study and exhaust that word remit, this is in my prayer walking book, Crosswise Prayer Walker's Handbook, uh, it has the definition of that word exhausted out, the synonym and the anonym of that word. But the synonym means when you remit, you release, relax, absolve, discontinue, leave off, mitigate, alleviate, soften, relent, consign, and deliver. Now, keep it in the context. Jesus said, if you don't remit, you retain. So, if you begin to fret, as, G as Psalms 37 verse 1 says, fret not because of evildoers. Don't even fret because of him that prospers in his way. Now, that's something we, we need to learn here in America. We've done a lot of complaining about the oil people. They're raking in all the dough, and it's costing us more money to get down the road now. How much time are we spending praying for them? Praying for the wealth, because the Bible clearly says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Well, how are we, we going to see the wealth of the wicked ever brought in to be laid up for us? Bring them to the Lord. Bring them to the Lord, and the wealth of the wicked will be converted over for the work of the ministry, for the work and for the livelihood of, of Christians, because that person will then become a Christian, and they will share it in a new way. There are very wealthy people in the world that are sharing a lot of money, but they don't share it for good purposes. They, they give in charity for all kinds of unrighteous things, but that money can be brought over for righteousness. Now, I want to give you the other definition that was given to me personally in Shrewsbury, England, in 1985. 1985, I was walking by, came by the ruins of Shrewsbury Castle there. And the Lord said to me, I want you to remit the sins that are committed there. 
And so I'm walking around, I'm looking, I'm looking for someone to remit their sins. I can't find anybody out in the ruins, a caretaker, somebody restoring it or anything. And so I said, well, Lord, there's no, there is no one there for me to ask you to forgive them. And the Lord said, I want you to remit the sins that happened in the past. That's the reason that Hitler's missile was allowed to blitz out the Shrewsbury Castle. Because the sins of that castle have never been remitted. They are still there. The wickedness, the sin, made it an open target for those missiles. And so I said, where is that scripture? And the Lord said, Romans 8, verse 25 and 26. So I opened my Bible, and sure enough, there in the King James it says, to remit the sins that are past. And verse 26 says, and again I say, to declare at this time. When is that? When is this time? Right now, isn't it? to declare at this time the remission of sins that are past. So that aroused a curiosity in me for the first time to ask of my Father in heaven a definition of what happens in the sinner when I ask you to forgive them, when they are not repenting. That's what remitting is. It's asking God to forgive when they're not repenting. When you first see them sin, you're asking God to forgive instead of fretting or criticizing or judging. And so immediately you're, you're, you're doing this, you see. You're, you're looking up and in all your ways you're acknowledging the Lord that he may direct your path. That Proverbs 3 verse 6. And so the Lord said to me, here's the definition he gave me. I love it. it. It's so precious. He said, when you remit the sins of a person that is not repenting, I, the Lord God, lift the heavy load of condemnation off of the sinner, giving them a space of time to repent. For he said, have you, ever, have you ever heard a person in their testimony say, I don't know what happened to me. It's like all of a sudden in my life I came to a place where I knew I had to turn over a new leaf. I had to change. I couldn't keep living this way. He said, someone was crying out to me, to forgive them. And so, in doing that, then he said, after you do that, after you ask me to forgive them, you remit their sin, do the Romans 2 verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4. Ask me to release my goodness upon them that leads them to repentance. And so as you do that, that person begins a journey. The Apostle Paul, when he first came into a confrontation with Christians, 
What did he do? The man's name was Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen was preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, the indignation came up in this very, very orthodox religious man, Paul, and all the other orthodox people around him. And they began to stone Stephen. Before Stephen died, he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, take my spirit. But he looked up, and when he looked up, he saw the Lord standing in the heavens, and he cried out with a loud voice to those stoning him, I see the Lord standing at the Father's right hand. And what are the next words that Stephen said there in Acts chapter 7? He did the very thing I'm talking about. Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Now that's the same thing that our Lord did on the cross before he died, wasn't it? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you read that setting in the four Gospels, like Acts, uh, Matthew chapter 37, uh, uh, 27, I'll get it here in a minute, uh, uh, you will not find, you will not find any setting at that point of anyone repenting. The thief on the right hand of Jesus had already repented and asked for forgiveness. And Jesus had already said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. But uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, it says, and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, there is remitting. Jesus remitted right there. He did the very thing. Chapter 23 of Luke, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they, they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him. But look at this. Look down here. It's beautiful. Verse 47. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. In Mark chapter 15, verse 51, 39, 15 verse 39 he cried with a loud voice saying surely this was the son of God and so there's the power of remitting that is such tremendous power people yes two things are accomplished in that first of all in you you don't retain, as Jesus said in John twenty twenty three. If you don't remit, you retain. You see what I mean? If you fret, you've retained. Fret not because of evildoers. <laughs> so we can't do that. Okay? So I think you have that understanding. Brother Henry, that's actually um, standing in the gap for a person, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I know there's a scripture that talks about God was looking for a man to stand in the gap, and he couldn't find anyone. 
And uh, how sad it was. Um, let that not be the case today. Um, I've just learned the definition of remitting sins, and I've never heard explained before, folks. I mean, what a powerful revelation tonight of the Word of God. Now, Brother Henry, uh, let me ask you a question. i take you back to when you were in Belfast. Yes. And uh, you and the brother were walking around the area where the mob had come out to uh, storm the Parliament building, right? Right. Uh, was that one of the things that you were doing that night? Were you remitting the sins uh, that had been committed in that area? Yes. Now, that was Dublin, where the thousands came. That was in Dublin. Dublin, okay. And Belfast is where the British uh, military forces had a barricade in all the entrances to the Parliament. But after the the clouds went off of Belfast, we left the next day, knowing we had had a breakthrough, and then we went to Dublin, and that's when they were gathered around the Parliament of Dublin, Ireland, and we walked complete circle around that that riot that had clubs and boards and rocks and bricks, uh, and they were going to storm the Parliament, and they wanted Charlie to resign. They wanted the Prime Minister of Southern Ireland to resign. This was back in about 1991, I believe, uh, November, late November, I think, of 1991. And uh, you know something, brother? Since those days, we have had no more bombs. Uh, there, there may have been some out in an outer area, but we haven't had the the fighting that was going on between the Catholics and Christians uh, since that time in Ireland, and it. I thank the Lord for it. A, a major, major breakthrough took place then. And then that beautiful, beautiful by Robin Mark, I think is his name, song come out, Belfast in Ireland. Uh, I mean, uh, revival in Belfast. And uh, What a miracle, because oh, you obeyed the Lord, and you went in, and you stood in the gap. Yes. You remitted the sins of the area. Uh, now, what happens in a case where there's been a lot of bloodshed or human sacrifice or altars uh, built there, and there's been uh, a lot of sin committed, uh, what do you have to do after you've remitted the sins? You, you mentioned last program, uh, you have to cleanse the area, is that correct? Yes, you have to cleanse the land. Uh yeah, we can go into some scriptures on cleansing the land, and I think that is a very important uh, understanding to to get a hold of. Uh, first question is, is how is the land defiled? How does the land become defiled? Brother Henry, before you go forward, would you like to, at this point in time, take a 10-minute break? Oh, you know, that, that would probably be a good idea. <laughs> Folks, what we're going to do is, um, I want to, I don't want to... Um, Tax Brother Henry and not give him a break. Uh, his eyes might be floating away if we do. <laughs> so we're going to take about a 10-minute break and give everybody a moment to refresh each other. But uh, before we, we do that, Brother Henry, would you give out your contact information to those that are just tuning in and let people know how they can um, order some of your materials and financially support the work that you're doing? Because uh, you're going all over the world, and I know it takes resources uh, to do these trips. And, uh, you know, we had a, a missionary that was on uh, about two months ago, Brother Henry. He was going off to Indonesia and Bali and Sumatra to mm. teach uh, deliverance ministry to the pastors over there. And he said something very profound. He said, you know, 
not everybody can go on this trip, you know, uh, but uh, yeah. you can support, and you can pray, and you can fast. And he said, even if a person were to give $5, um, you'll get the same reward as we do going there to do the ministry, because from the example, uh, I think, of David, when he would uh, go to war, there would yeah. have to be some of the troops that would have to stay behind and protect the women folk and right. protect the base camp. And uh, the spools of war, when they were divided, everybody got an equal share. So that's, that's right. really encouraging. It's not the quantity, folks, but it's just taking action to get involved. And, you know, you get the same reward as Brother Henry that is going over and doing the prayer walking, if I if I um, am correct in saying that. So I want to encourage people to uh, support Brother Henry Groover uh, financially in his ministry and uh, write in and order some of the books and CDs. Um, and let me give that back to you. How can a person do that, Brother Henry? Uh, this write to us at Post Office Box 144-144, Woodbine, W-O-D, B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, I-O-W-A, that's two words. Woodbine is the city, Iowa is the state, uh, 51579, USA, if you're writing from a foreign country, and, uh, Joyful Sound Ministries, Joyful Sound Ministries, or you can go up on a website and get the information, uh, joyfulsoundministries.com or henrygroover.com. You'll find an awfully lot about me on websites. Uh, a lot of people post materials and things. They post and comments about me, but uh, many of them charge uh, a specific fee for materials and all, and uh I can't do that. That the Lord won't let me do that. I, I, I tell people I live by faith, and uh, we've raised thirteen children, and uh, they're out now. We have twenty-six grandchildren and one great-grandson, and uh, uh, we've never told anybody our needs. We don't. We don't send out newsletter. You won't. You won't be saturated with letters in the mail begging for money saying Henry's going to do this he needs this much money I don't do that uh, it's up to you to hear the voice of God and to give I, I, I want you to give because the Holy Spirit tells you to uh, for materials just give whatever you feel it would cost for the production and, and mailing and uh, handling of those materials. That's what we call just a free will offering. Uh, we'd appreciate that. It's up to you. But uh, uh, so it's, it's a ministry. It's a ministry. And uh, I, I just keep right on going. I'll keep right on going because the Lord provides. And yeah, you were right, Brother Shannon. Uh, uh, those that stayed at Ziklag, they were too weak to go out to battle. They went, they, they stayed, and David come back with a great spoil, didn't he? And uh, he, he gave the same portion to those that went out to battle as a reward as those that stayed with the stuff. <laughs> the King James says the stuff. And uh, so, yes, it is a vital, another thing that is so valuable to, to us, in the ministry is that you put us on your prayer list and pray for us, pray for our families. Uh, the enemy hates what we're doing, hates it with a passion. Uh, and he tries to attack our families to try to divert our attention or to divert our, our mission. 
And uh, so pray for the safety of our family and the well-keeping of them as well uh, and their families. So we'd appreciate that very much. Folks, we're going to take about a 10-minute break. Brother Henry, what I'll do is I'll disconnect from you, and then I'll dial you back up in about 10 minutes. Would that be all right? That sounds good. All right. I'll be all right. here. Thank you. Folks, uh, Henry Groover is on with us tonight, and uh, that's also going to give me a moment to refresh the stream. We went down here just a moment. I'm going to uh, refresh, but in the meantime, we're going to uh, go to a musical break. So enjoy, and we'll be right back. It's the 21st century, a dangerous world. Preppers need food and medicine. Why not have the best? Enterfood.com does the shopping, prep, and packaging for you using the best organic ingredients on the planet. Right now, specials are available for listeners of this station. The all-organic vegetarian food storage pail and the herbal medicine cabinet. The pail holds up to 120 flavorful meals, super-packed fresh to last up to 15 years, soaked, cooked, or raw. The herbal medicine cabinet holds everything you'll need to cure common ailments. Use these items in an emergency or... Or use them when camping. You can't beat these prices. Call to order now. 866-762-9238. 866-762-9238. Or go to enerfood.com. That's E-N-E-R-F-O-O-D.com. Enerfood.com. Hey, friends. When you're over at enerfood.com making your purchase, use a special coupon code that is for Omega Man Radio listeners. And it'll give you 10% off your order, whatever you order, at enerfood.com. The coupon code to use is Omega Man. That's O-M-E-G-A-M-A-N. You'll enter it during your checkout process, and that'll give you that instant 10% discount.
Episode 606, our special guest tonight live for the second time on Omega Man Radio, Henry Groover, the prayer walker. We took about a 10-minute break to give Henry a chance to recharge himself with some something to drink and take a, a break there. He's been preaching nonstop for two hours. He is a machine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I praise the Lord for the uh, special honor to have him on this program tonight. It is an honor and a privilege. If there are apostles walking this globe right now, I know that Henry Groover is one of them. And the true apostles don't need to announce it. They don't need to have the name apostle on their calling card. Uh, You'll know them by the works that they do. And uh, he is truly uh, a man of God, a true apostle in this time, 2012. Today's March 22nd, 2012, and uh, what an awesome program. We're going to call him back and right now and get him back on the line and continue where we left off. And uh, I want to uh, thank uh, Soul Man Songs, Italo Marti, for that beautiful song, Under the Blood, that we played during the uh, intercession there. And if you need to reach us, uh, our email is omegamanradio at yahoo.com, Facebook Omega Man Radio, and Henry Gruber tonight, website henrygruber.com. Hello again. Well, praise the Lord. And folks, uh, we welcome back Brother Henry Groover. Live tonight with us, his website, henrygroover.com and joyfulsoundministries.com. Brother Groover, when we left off, you had covered how to remit sins. And the next question I had was, you were in um, Dublin, walking around where the, the... the mob there was angry, and they were getting ready to storm the the buildings there, the parliament. But uh, God had another plan, and that was for you to go in to the area and attack those strongholds over that land and remit the sins. Now, you remitted the sins, and uh, what is the other things that must be done for by a prayer walker who's going down, whether it be... Uh, an area like you were at, or a place maybe going into a cave where there's been some human sacrifices, and maybe there's been bloodshed. What are the other components, uh, in addition to remitting sins, that are necessary to be done? It's very important uh, in in addressing this that, and this is something the Lord has taught me through the years, that you use all the attributes of the Lord of what he suffered and what he represented as as very man but very God. Uh, so what I'm saying is, is when I go into that place, I remit the sins according to Romans chapter 3, 25 and 26, uh, remitting the sins that are past to declare, see again I say to declare at this time, verse 26 says, the remission of sins that are past. Now, 
in going into that cave or upon that high place where human sacrifice has been committed and all, uh, there's no one standing there. There's no one there normally. Uh, on occasion, I have had individuals standing there that were involved in that, and uh, but we won't go into that. But uh, it, it's more of the exception rather than the rule that there's no confrontation. You know, the Lord will generally take us into that area when no one's there. But the spirit and the stronghold of that area, innocent blood has defiled that land. Uh, innocent bloodshed. Uh, what What is it that can do that, and how did that happen? All right, by anger, by vengeance, by bitterness, by violence, by mob action, or by uh, by crime, or by rape and and bloodshed that way, killing the person that the, has been molested. All of these things defiles the land. And so when you look at the category of what allowed that or made that a stronghold, then you have to think and you have to analyze what classified it as a high place or a stronghold of the enemy. How did Satan possess that? How did Satan get control of that? Well, he got control through the act of violence and sin and uh, abuse. And so, therefore, we have to look back and see everything that Jesus did to pay for that transgression. Jesus was violently taken. Uh, he, he, he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, right, where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Yes, sir. So he went through a season of fasting, and he hungered, and he was tempted of the devil on the Mount of Temptation, as we call it. All right? He was tempted to turn a, turn a, a stone into bread. He was tempted to throw himself off the pinnacle of that temple uh, and that the angels would catch him. And so he was tempted to also to... Uh, challenge, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'll give them to you. Well, I believe the kingdoms of the world were basically, were his to give. Because in Revelation it says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. So, Many, many, many kingdoms do belong to Satan because of this wickedness and transgression. So Jesus paid the full price for the redemption of that transgression. And uh, in uh, in well, let's turn and go back to uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter five is it, uh, and look at what uh, what qualifies us to be uh, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be fully persuaded, first of all, in your heart and in your mind that you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are there by the divine authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as an ambassador. Or, the other way to look at that, 
you are now the priests of the living God, right? Yes, sir. That's in First Peter uh, chapter two, I believe. Uh, it says in First Peter chapter two, wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So we've been through that Ephesians or Hebrews chapter 5. We've, we've desired the sincere milk after we've laid aside all these other things. And we've grown thereby. And so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. We've come to this place that, he, that, uh, that he's chosen and precious. And now in verse 5, we also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So there is our authority. Therefore, that is our authority, that we are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation of peculiar people, right? And... uh, so therefore, we have been given, we have been granted uh, a glorious, a glorious gift of Almighty God through the, you know, by paying and entering the discipline of the Spirit in our life of laying all of these things uh, aside, and then in verse eighteen of Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. It says, well, verse 17, if, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it sounds like a transformation or a change has taken place in our life of what we've covered there on the milk in Hebrews 5 and over in First Peter chapter 2. Then, it's no new paragraph here, verse 18 of Second Corinthians chapter 5, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He hath reconciled uh, us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, reconciling means you're paying back, aren't you? A debt for services or a debt of something that has been rendered. Okay. And so you have to recognize that you are now given the authority of a ministry of reconciling. So that's what I'm doing in that cave upon that mountain. I am reconciling. I am buying it back. Last week or so when we talked, uh, we talked about how the land is defiled, right? And how uh, the Lord said, uh, in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. You shall grant a redemption for the land. So you see, we, we have that responsibility. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 23 and 24 is what I just quoted to you. In all the land of your possession. Well, if he has reconciled the world to himself and hath reconciled all things to himself, so therefore then he has given to us this ministry of reconciliation, so therefore we have been 
delegated, haven't we? We've received a delegation of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. There's your remitting again. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we're talking about reconciling the world. Verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so recognizing the full payment that Jesus did in reconciling first, reconciling the world to himself, we recognize the payment that he paid for the transgression. For every debt there has to be a payment or that debt will never be canceled, will it? So That's right. Here, when you stand as a the ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ or as a priest of the living God, then you stand as his delegated representative, don't you? You are his delegated representative. Uh, in Isaiah 49, verse 2, uh, I love this expression here. He says, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Oh, my, 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 my. So, uh, there is definitely a something that is takes place here. Now, I think last week we talked about this, but just for those that may not have been in here uh, on this program last week, if, if it turn, uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter uh, chapter. Where are we here? Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one. This is where. If there's a man found slain in the field, no one knows who did it, then they shall go to the judges and the elders, and they shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which is round about him that is slain. I think this is kind of where we left off last time. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer, which hath not been wrought with, and which hath not been drawn in yoke, and the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests, now if we're the priests of God, or the ambassadors, there's not much difference in this. Peter calls it priests, Paul calls it ambassadors. Uh, the priests of the sons of Levi shall come near, for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. You see the power of the priesthood there. Yes. And that's, that's how our mouth has been made like a sharp two-edged sword. And we know that in Hebrews it says, for the word of God is alive and it is what? It is powerful, more powerful than any two-edged 
sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, right? And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart and of the mind. So if our mouth has like, been made like a sharp two-edged sword, then it would seem to me that God is saying to us that we have that power, that ability uh, to the ability to uh, it, it, that's in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 12. For the word, of the, the word of God is quick, or it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13 of Hebrews 4, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. There is not one creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So then, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we have without sin. So he says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Remember earlier I was mentioning how in this priesthood and how the Lord said to me, you know, uh, who is praying for the sinner? I'm ever living to make intercession for the saints here, and he's saying that again here in Hebrews chapter 4. He have a high priest that passed unto heaven, Jesus the Son of God. He's interceding for us. Who's interceding for the sinner? Now, I want to clarify something here. I go down into a cave where there's crushed bones that... Uh, like in Okinawa where these powerful guns exploded, shells exploded in some of these caves, and it just shattered every human body in that cave like glass. It literally shattered them like glass. No human bone is longer or bigger than any than two inches or so. Wow. And you literally are standing on shattered human bones. Why? Why would I want to go down into a cave with nothing but skeletal, shattered human bones? I mean, we're talking jaw teeth and skull pieces and finger fragments and all that. I mean, you, you have no problem seeing that it is human. Now, why would you want to go in there? Because the shamans go down in there and the witchcraft people go into those places and they, they call up the spirit of the dead. They get power from there. Well, what they're really calling up, they're not really calling up the dead. They're calling up familiar spirits that are old enough to know those individuals. And then those familiar spirits who knew the character, the faults, failures, and good points, and even the name and, and pet little expressions that that person used, 
they tell the medium or the witchcraft person that, and then they go back to the family, the survivors, who once knew that one that was deceased, and they use the expressions, the little pet expressions, and so the survivors are fully persuaded that it's their loved one that really talked to them when the dead, the Bible says the dead know nothing. Uh, that soul, that part of that, that area, they don't really call up the dead. I don't believe they really called up Samuel. I, I believe they called up familiar spirits. And I could go into that, and if you if you ever worked with people in heavy witchcraft, you'd, you'd understand what I'm saying. But anyhow, the practice of this and the area of this is a complete and total violation and transgression of, of God's will. God told the children of Israel, you shall not suffer a witch to live, right? That's why when Saul went to the witch of Endor... She, when she saw he was a king, he was the king, she feared for her life, and he promised her, your life is not in danger. He went against the commandment of the Lord right there. And then she called up this spirit that's supposed to have been Samuel. Well, there were, there were pet expressions and sayings that he said that, uh, that, that Saul knew very well about Samuel, so he would have uh, he would have very well been convinced and persuaded that that was actually Samuel, but that familiar spirit had no problem condemning Saul to death because if people ever go to witches to ever go to mediums for fortune telling, what is the most common fortune that they give people? It always has something to do with death. They're going to die or. Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to die young, or you're going to die in this terrible thing. What do you want to pay money to go get that kind of information from a familiar spirit and have a curse on your life place? So all of this scenario creates a stronghold of the enemy. Now, what opened up the land for that defilement? That's where blood cries out from the ground, where Cain slew Abel, in Genesis 4.10, God said, The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And so then the land became defiled. And uh, in Leviticus 18.24-28, God says, Don't do the same thing that those that I drove out before you. If you start doing the same thing they're doing, then the land will spew you out. And then witches will take over the land again. A nation, a wicked nation will take over you again, and you will fall. And he, in Hosea chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he talks of all the wickedness there, and he said, blood touches blood. And then, verse 6 in Hosea chapter 4, he says, people are destroyed all the day long for lack of knowledge. And so, saints, as you listen to what we're saying tonight, recognize what has given license to Satan to occupy that land that you must go back and take it back. You say, well, why do I have to go back and take it back? What, why can't we leave them alone? Everybody has a right to their own religion and freedom of expression. Well, okay, what do you do with Psalms chapter 24, verse 1? It says, the earth is the Lord's, 
and the fullness thereof, and all that dwell therein. What do you do with Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 21? For the whole creation is groaning and travailing. It says, for we know, do we know, that the whole creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, or the priests, or the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, or sons of God. Say it whatever way you want to. But you see, you are officially operating by the delegated authority of the Lord Jesus Christ over that area. And so you must go and take it back. You must go and take it back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is your authority. In my name you shall cast out devils. In my name I give you all authority. All right? In my name. What about the blood of Jesus? For without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. That's in Hebrews 9 verse 22. There is no remission. All right? And then, uh, then we, we, we claim the blood of Jesus, and then next we claim the body of Jesus. For the scripture says, but a body you have prepared me, in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 10, but a body you have prepared me. So the body of Jesus was, was, was given. The mind of Jesus was given. In the garden, Jesus sweat great drops of blood, striving against sin. He went through such mental anguish that great drops of blood came out of his brow. That is, according to medical science, the highest form of stress that anyone could ever be subjected to. Most people, at that point, their heart would burst. But Jesus wept, sweat great drops of blood with mental anguish on the cross. He sweat. He he suffered so severely, crying, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He had to feel abandoned, forsaken of the Father. For you, when you feel like the Lord is not near, when you feel uh, rejected, you feel abandoned, you feel forsaken. God does that allowed Jesus to suffer that for you. Jesus had to grow up being called an illegitimate son, an illegitimate child, a bastard. And they, they many still call him that to this day because... Pardon? Uh, we're, you're back on, Brother Groover. You've muted out just for a second. Keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, so... Where do we go with this? You see what I mean? We have, in the name of Jesus is our authority. The blood of Jesus is for the remission of sins. The body of Jesus is the body that was prepared for the bodies of those that transgressed and the bodies of those that were violated. Okay, there's the transgressor and the the ones that were violated from it. And then the mind of Jesus for the minds of those that were wrong and violated, and for those that, the mind of those that were violated, and then the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of those attributes the Lord gave in the garden, and from the judgment, the garden to the cross, 
he was called King of the Jews, King of Kings. And his his blood was shed, his body was given, his mind was 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 given beyond measure, and his spirit he gave up his spirit. So when I go into a stronghold, all right, let's take it right down the street from where you may live, a drive-by shooting, a robbery, and a death. It's quadrant off with a police ribbon. You can't get in there right now. As soon as you can get in there and walk where that chalk mark was, where that body fell or whatever, where the indication is of where that blood was shed, where that transgression was committed, you stand in that area and you declare the attributes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your mouth as a sharp two-edged sword, you declare the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ as a payment for the transgressor and for those that were violated. You apply it for both, remitting the sins of the transgressor. I do that in gang areas all the time. I've done it in the Middle East with terrorists. I've done it to the face of individuals that were going to kill me. And... uh, and watch the power of God released over them. And uh, I've seen individuals come to the Lord and be converted. I've seen people run away screaming, and uh, I don't know what they saw, but uh, I don't even have to do that out loud. But uh, when I do that, I am redeeming back, I am taking back what is rightfully the Lord's. I'm taking it back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thereby we're applying the payment for the debt. Now last week we talked about the, uh, the hanging of the bodies in England, in London. They yes. hang the bodies uh, over the... Uh, over the sidewalk and people would poke at them and when they died uh, the decomposed body fell down and the rats ate it and then oh they became sickly and what happened then it spread the bubonic plague and thousands of people died and uh, that was a direct a direct violation of, of Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 1 through 5 and then verse 22 and 23. When a person is hanged for a capital sin, they are not to be on that cross or on that tree or hanging thing overnight. They are to be buried the same day. And it's very clear that the curse, the land that you have, is not cursed. And so we have tremendous power in this. It's just, It's an awesome thing. It's a beautiful thing to watch what the Lord is doing in this. Uh, So we remit the sins uh, committed. We we apply the payment. Right. Now, now let's say that, uh, again, let's let's go to the place, uh, brother, let's go to the place here where that uh, this is something in history like Shrewsbury Castle there in England. Yes. Uh, that was built in the 11th century, and uh, there in the town of Shrewsbury is where the word was coined, keep a stiff upper lip. You know, we talked about that last week, and uh, how this uh, brother who was uh, 
a professor at Oxford University of Ancient History, uh, explained that to me and asked, what did God tell you? And I said, well, what he told me about the city of Shrewsbury is there's a very strong spirit, a very strong spirit of stoic. I kept getting the word stoic, and it wasn't a word we use in America to speak of. And he laughed, and he said, you don't know what that means? And I said, no, I guess I don't right offhand. (laughs) And he was so amazed that that's what I got and didn't know that that is where that expression was coined, keep a stiff upper lip, or grin and bear it, or hang tough. In other words, that that can become voluntary humility and will worship. Do you realize that? It, it can become the attitude of the Spirit, I can handle this job all by myself. And when we get into that, whoa, we, we get into trouble because then we began to trust in our own experience, don't we? We trust in our own uh, ability and allow our experience. And we have a saying here in the States, experience is the best teacher, don't we? But that's not true, is it? The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. Yes, sir. And so... Uh, so we, uh, well, there, there's another beautiful expression here that Paul says. Uh, I love how he, he, you know, Paul is just an awesome person, wasn't he? he? I look forward to meeting him on the streets of gold. I'll tell oh, you. absolutely. Oh, that dear brother, uh, my word, he uh, he is just uh, awesome, just awesome in his uh in his expression. And folks, if you're just tuning in, we have Henry Groover on with us live tonight, wherever you may be in the world listening, or we'll listen later on the MP3 website, henrygroover.com. We're talking about uh, prayer walking tonight. Yeah. Brother Henry, uh, remitting sins, applying the payment. Uh, are there any other things that must be done by a prayer warrior uh, in a particular location? Yes. Uh, once you, very definitely, once you have remitted those sins, and you have, let, let's say you're, you're, you're there where there is a definite, uh, they've sacrificed animals, they've sacrificed a human or something, uh, even, even if you, uh, you find a place where kids, young kids have, have hung a cat in a tree and the poor cat's been mutilated. Yes. Uh, things like this. This all begins witchcraft. It's all what we call the wannabes. A lot of that here in America, especially uh, now these days, we're seeing it. It's rampant. It's rampant. So you, let's say that, let, let's take it right home. All right, here down in Arizona, I prayed over a very, very godly family's home that uh, spirits, ghosts kept appearing. And they said, we love the Lord, and, and, and we, we just command these to go, and they don't go. And could you come and see if the Lord will give you any discernment of what allows this to go on in our house? Because we're claiming the blood of Jesus over our home every day. We're doing everything we know to do, but it just continues. And uh, I said, yes, I, I will come. I do have the time to come by, and I'll do it. Well, I was walking the house. 
And when I went to them, I says, now, number one, if I find something, I don't care how valuable it is or what, uh, you have to be willing to get rid of that and destroy it. If I tell you it is giving Satan license to operate in your home, Yes, so sir. Are you willing to do that? Because otherwise, I'm wasting my time here. Uh, I can I can take dominion over these spirits. I can cast them out of the house and do a spiritual house cleaning. But if these unclean things have been brought into the home, then you're inviting them right back in. And I want to tell you something. As Jesus said, with one demoniac, when the evil spirit's gone out of a man. It goes in dry places seeking rest and finds none. It goes back and says, uh, finds the house garnished and clean and yes. says, uh, well, I'll go back in. And the, the last stage or time of that life of that person is seven times worse than before. And so I, I don't want to do this if you will not follow through. Because so that a, a cursed object would give those demons just a legal right to come back. Every legal right. Every legal right. And so they agreed. And uh, so I, I was walking just in the in the dining room. Yes. Holy Spirit led me to pull open a top drawer in the dining room. And Uh-oh. here were magic cards. And they had the pictures on them were pentagrams and everything. Oh, my goodness. And I says... Do you realize these cards are used by witches to tell fortunes and things? Oh, no, 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 no. No, they're not that, the lady said. We just play a little game with them. I said, I know you do. But you see, they are an instrument that has been designed with all the symbols on them and everything. They are occultic symbols. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, we'll burn them. I said, that's good. Burn them. Make sure there's nothing left of them. If you want, I'll stay here and we'll burn them. Okay. So I'm thinking, well, thank you, Lord. We found where the enemy had license. Well, we prayed through the whole house. And then up in the last room, the youngest daughter's room, who was away in college. Oh, my word. In her shoes, she had shoes that had the broken cross. Oh, no. Down cross, you know, and the it was a des- on them. So it was a design actually on the shoe? On the shoe, a bold as could be, not a little bitty one, a big one. Brother Henry, uh, pardon me one second. Uh, disregard the, the announcer. We still have one hour left on tape. We're still live, folks, so we're, disregard we're that. One hour, huh? Brother Henry, um, so she had shoes with these pentagrams and broken cross on them, and it was an accursed object. And And... The mother said, well, that's a peace symbol, isn't it? And I says, no, 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 no. No, that is a broken cross in the occult. She says, well, well, the hippies use that, like two fingers up. It, 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 it's, it's a broken cross. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a peace symbol. I say, yeah, I know. But you ask any person heavy in the occult, Yes, And it is a curse. It is cursing Jesus mm-hmm. for dying on the cross. And she said, oh, I don't want that in my house. And then I was about to leave the room, and she looked at all the hangings of her daughter's jewelry. 
Uh-oh. My goodness, bless that dear girl's heart. She had jewelry with pentagrams on them and cross skeleton, skeletal crossbones. She had the broken cross on so much of her jewelry and pentagrams. A pentagram is a five-pointed star upside down with the main point going down. Two points should go down, like take two fingers, spread them apart like a, a peace symbol, and go upside down. That is not a pentagram. But if you turn that one spear of the, cry, of the, of the star upside down, that's the goat head of, of the occult. And it's the pentagram. And uh, Satan, all Satanists understand this all very well. And it's the goat's head. But yes. That. And uh, I told the mother, I said, well, I'm not going through her chest of drawers. I'm not going through any of those things. Uh, her her cousin here pulled the shoes out that has the pentagram and the broken cross on her shoes. But you have enough knowledge now. I want you to promise me you will go through and tell her you're going to go through her room and these things must go and must be destroyed. I said, don't take them and just throw them away. Take a hammer and beat those things up that they cannot be used for that. And even if there's gold or silver or jewels on them, do not covet that. Do not sell them. In the book of Acts, remember, they had a great fire and the wealth of that amount that was destroyed was unbelievable. That's right. So, folks, the answer is not have a yard sale or give it to someone else and sell it, because then you'll be an accomplice to the curse that's going to be on them by bringing it in their household. You've got to destroy it uh, so no one else can use it again. And, uh, Brother Henry, I'm sure that the enemy is pretty crafty that if someone even just chucked it in the garbage can, he may send one of his demonized people to go retrieve it. And keep it in circulation. <laughs> so exactly, you can be assured he can do it. Now another thing, another thing. Now this is, sounds like we're getting weird, but please understand me. I have dealt. I dealt with one of the highest witches in Great Britain. Don't worry, brother Henry. This is not weird to a Mega Man Radio audience. Uh, we're all about spiritual warfare and. Attacking the host of hell. So this is good stuff. Keep going. (laughs) I have to use wisdom on this. Uh, This man had over 10,000 covens under him. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. And uh, he and I met in a doctor's house. That's large. doctor had doctored his wife, who was a breeder. You know what a breeder is. They have babies, and then they... They conceive in sexual orgies, uh, satanic sexual orgies, and then when that baby is brought forth, then they let it come to a certain age. They don't have a birth certificate for it, and they let it come to a certain age, and then they sacrifice it, and it gives them more power. Well, that that was just a few of the things that he did. Uh, believe me, they, are, they were wicked. Uh, he... Oh dear Lord, I, I I don't want him to talk about brother things. Henry. We uh, we're we're starting to minister to some people that have coming out, and they were actually dedicated as brides of Satan. Okay, and yes. um, this is very wicked, but that's the way Satan operates. Oh, He's yes. wicked, and uh, 
they 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 take covenants with black witches and uh, they go into some of the most vile and wicked things if you you know it's very sad and something to say in context right here yes sir uh i was in a church up in pennsylvania and a lady came up to me did i tell this last time about the the vampires oh no sir uh okay. i love stories tell us she came up to me after the service that Sunday morning in this church up in Pennsylvania, and she said, "When uh, where are you going to be speaking next week in the area here? And I said, I won't be in this area. I'm heading up into New Jersey. And she said, oh, oh, well, i got to leave tomorrow. I said, well, I'm sorry. Um, she says, yeah. She says, i got to fly my 14-year-old daughter to Portland, Oregon. I said, wow, that's all the way across the country. Is it family? I was just making conversation. I said, is there family there? And she's, oh, no, no, no. No, this famous vampire is there and is putting on a show there. And I oh, said, my goodness. Did I hear you right? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, did you say vampire? Vampire? She says, yeah, yeah, I'd uh, she's going to this big vampire show in this big coliseum in Portland, Oregon. Now, if I were in Portland, Oregon, and that was advertised, that's coming, let's take that facet right away, but we don't want to forget it. Yes, sir. What would I do? I would go with a team and walk and pray around that auditorium before that person is to perform, or preferably before they're to perform. Get a team and go around it declaring the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ against that spirit manifesting. Bind that spirit off of that Colosseum and every person that comes to it. Bind it and release the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Declare the, the goodness of God. Remit that sin. Declare the goodness of God. And ask God, according to Matthew 9.38, to send forth laborers or Christians, an army of Christians, to lead these people to the truth. And uh, if you will do that, I'm telling you people, we had uh, a famous, a famous, uh, a famous prophet uh, of the devil <laughs> coming There's a lot of those. Her her predictions for the year over here in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, boy. Oh, we're going back to about 1992. Her name was Jean Dixon. Remember her? Oh, yes, sir. Never hear her name anymore, do you? No, sir. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> we I've, I, Now I've done it. I've, I've jumped into two areas here. But this is in context of what you need to do. If you read in the paper, like KISS, or any of these heavy metal groups coming to your city. Yes, sir. Do this. Do Ask the Spirit of God what to do, and get directions from the Lord, and ask Him to raise up laborers and a team to go and pray over these areas. Well, we went and prayed over the area where Jean Dixon was to give her 1993, I think it was, prophecy, there in Omaha, Nebraska, at the Civic Auditorium. We walked and prayed around that, and we bound that familiar spirit of necromancy or fortune-telling or, you know, telling the future. We bound that spirit, <laughs> and we remitted the sins of Gene Dixon 
And we ask the Lord to deal with her and, and open her heart and her mind and her spirit. And the team of us, we walked several times around that auditorium. All of a sudden, people started trailing out of there. They weren't in there very long. In the paper the next day, it said that Jean Dixon got up to give her prophecy for that year, I think, of 1993. And all of a sudden, she just went, bleh, 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 bleh. She couldn't talk. She was just... Wow. The old thing said, kind of like tongue-tied. She tried to talk, and it bleh, it had just come out. And in anger, she, she trumped off the stage and yelled... <laughs> When she left the stage, I've been, I'm so humiliated, I will never come back to Omaha, Nebraska again. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and you know what? You'd see her predictions in the, in the Mirror magazine and all these different tabloids every year. I haven't seen her anymore. No, sure, I haven't either. Praise the I Lord. She's come to Jesus. Yes, sure. That's what I would recommend. Well, anyhow, she said to me that... She was flying her fourteen daughter, a fourteen-year-old daughter, there to see and uh, be in this presentation of this vampire. Right. And I said to her, I said, uh, "Well, you're going to go into the Coliseum with her, aren't you?" And she says, "Oh no." She says, "My mother, my daughter would never let me go into anything like that with her." I says, "Okay, so uh, you've answered what I thought you would." I said, "So you're just going to turn your daughter over to Satan." And she got so upset, she says, I beg your pardon. No way would I turn my daughter over to Satan. I says, ma'am, may I open your eyes that are totally blind to what a vampire is? And I begin to explain to her the vampires from the high witches definition that he gave me in England. What did and he she say? She started shaking all over and she says, no, that can't be. It's just a game. My daughter tells me it's just a game. It's not real. I says, yeah, that's the same thing the high witch told me. When I ask him, how could you do this year after year to people, the most horrible and brutal things you did, how can you do that to people? And so to speak, I don't think you're in your right mind when you do it, but yes, sir. go stark raving mad. And he said to me, he says, Henry, we tell ourselves in the early stages, and we discipline this way when we recruit, it's only a game. Uh -oh. It's not real. And you do that over and over until you believe that every lie, every act is nothing but a game. It's not real. They desensitize themselves, don't they? Exactly, exactly. It's what the scripture calls their conscience is seared with a hot iron. Brother Gruber, might I ask what was the uh, Warlock's definition of a vampire? The Warlock's va definition of a vampire was the most, the highest realm and form of a sexual orgy and climax that a person can achieve. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, you have the groups that are vampires and also um, werewolves? Yes, werewolves. Hey, listen, we were we were at a, a meeting in uh, Hegwich, Hegwich Baptist Church. Oh, yes. You familiar I'm, with that one? Oh, yes, Brother Wynn Worley. 
Gwen Worley. That's we, right. uh, Hammond, Indiana is where it's at now. We play them about every day. Uh, I've been up there twice. Is that right? Oh, yes, my sir. Goodness. Pastor Michael Thier uh, shouts out. <laughs> is that right? He runs yes, it sir. now. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, we were there and uh, with four other guys that had never been into anything like this. And you ought to have seen them looking around <laughs> when demons started manifesting. Oh, yeah, especially Saturday Night Mass Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is something people listen to me. Uh, I challenge you, if you believe this doctrine, that a Christian cannot be demonized, demon-possessed, I challenge you to go to Hammond, Indiana. Amen. And go to Win Worley's church. That's right. I challenge you to go there when they do a mass deliverance. I challenge you. Preach it. <laughs> and you and you get to know people when you're there. I'm talking ministers. I'm talking Christian workers are there. We were there with 250 people. And I got to know them over that three-day seminar. And I would. there were people that I would never have thought that a demon would have manifested from. It's the truth. And this one man was a minister, got to know him well, young man, and, and they'd been in the ministry for 10 years, pastor in a church, and when they started calling out those demons, when Win Worley started calling out those demons, all of a sudden he sprung to his feet cursing some of the most vile and ugh, vulgar language you'd ever hear. He went down on the floor... And two, they, they, they called on two of the men that were with me to help hold this man down. Um, grab a leg. Grab a leg, <laughs> grab an arm, and they were holding him down. Now, I said, no, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't do deliverance that way. I cast them out with the word of God. I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Uh, you get hurt doing that. And so that's what I said that night. I said, no, that's not my doctrine. That's not my belief. I don't touch a person. I prayed over high witches and... and uh, black witches, and I don't touch them. I've played over Hell's Angels guys and, and gals, and no, I don't touch them. Now, I, I, I'm not out for running around doing deliverance all the time. I'm too busy to do that. But I used to do it a lot years ago. But anyhow, as this man, this minister, he began to howl like a wolf. And as he howled like a wolf, you don't have to believe me, people. I challenge you. Go to Hammond, Indiana, and see it for yourself. The truth. As he howled like a wolf, his eyes became slanted and his eyelashes like a wolf. His mouth and nose got longer and longer. Right before, there was probably 30 people around that saw this. They all saw it. It wasn't just me. His eyes got like a wolf and his nose got longer and he was howling and his teeth became out there like a wolf and wow. he began frothing at the mouth and then all of a sudden he took this great big guy and just who was holding down his right arm at his wrist about arm's length away from this wolf guy he grabbed him and pulled him right up and grabbed pulled his his fist that was holding the wolf's wrist pulled that that thumb of his into his mouth and started chewing on it. Oh my goodness! 
started chewing on the brother's thumb that was holding him down, and that was enough for me. I rebuked that right then in the name of Jesus. I said, you let go of him. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not wrestle with your flesh and blood, but the word of God says you must go. And he began howling, and the spirits began coming out of him, and I felt the strangest feeling behind me. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Turn around and look. There are two warlocks right behind you. They are coming to collect the spirit in that minister. Good grief. Yes. I turned around, and here were two men with their hands raised, with their hand raised like uh, Hail Hitler. You know how they raise their hands forward? Yes, sir. Not worshiping sideways, but forward. Right over my head was these two guys with their hands over my head collecting the spirits. And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are warlocks. You are here to collect those spirits. Either repent of this wickedness and fall on your knees and be delivered yourself or be gone in the name of Jesus. And they looked at me and said, we're out of here. We're out of here. And they took off running. Wow. <laughs> Brother Groover, was that when uh, when Brother Winworthy was alive? Did you get to meet that, him? And he was alive, brother. That was about two years before he died. Amazing! Wow! And uh, that minister that night got set free. Praise the Lord! And he he got up that next morning in the service, weeping and telling how he had had the best night's sleep he had had in many, many years. And he told how he had these secret sins that were just tormenting him. And he was a Baptist minister. I shouldn't say this probably, but he was a Baptist minister. But he said, but I love the Lord. And I, but secretly, I was a totally different person. And I met this person that challenged me to come to Hammond, Indiana, to Win Worley's Hegwich Baptist Church. It's called Hegwich Baptist Church, you Baptist people out there. Amen. (laughs) Speaking of HBC, there's a conference coming up, Deliverance (laughs) Workshop, next month, April 26th to the 28th. Is that right? Amen. And uh, for people that are in the area, you've got to go up. Everything Brother Groover says is true. I've been there twice, and... uh, if you do not believe a Christian can be demonized, uh, go there and you'll see them for yourself, people coming that are being tormented and they get set free in yes. Jesus' name. They do get set free. This is not a game. It's not to humiliate anybody. They 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 work very seriously and very lovingly. Uh, they go. Their business is deliverance. I mean, they, they go at it. I don't hold a person down. They do. That's all right if they want to do it. I don't want my thumb chewed off. But uh, Brother Gruber, <laughs> let me take you back to uh, uh, Great Britain. Uh, you were over there, and um, without uh, compromising your security there, um, you actually got to minister to a warlock that was over 10,000 covens? Yes, uh, he was a high priest. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, did, his, uh, mother, his mother was called the Wicked Witch of the North, literally, the Wicked Witch of the North, Norwich, England. Oh, my goodness. North Witch, England. The British pronounce it Norwich. And she could point at a bird and utter words, and it would disintegrate like you shot it with a shotgun. Amazing. Now, this doesn't scare some of you out there not to play around 
the lion's den, the den of, of, of wickedness and lust and sin. Let me tell you something. I met many warlocks and many witches and all that came out of witchcraft over there after this high witch came, came to the Lord that personally told me face-to-face, one-on-one, they knew this woman, this 84-year-old woman, the Wicked Witch of the North, had the power. She had sacrificed her own children, many of her own children, and was very, very wicked. She had literally, she could literally turn herself into an 18-year-old black hair, long-haired, bathing beauty and go down into the village and seduce young men and bring them into the witchcraft by that way, recruit them by seduction. Amazing. So I want to tell you something. Just because some gal approaches you that is beautiful and desirable, let me tell you something. You may go to bed, you may be going to bed with a witch. And uh, And then those... If that soul tie is going to be matched up, right? That's right. The voodoo people, we're, we're talking about extremity. We're talking about extremes. Yes. But I want to tell you something. These these spirits in voodoo and all, the wicked, the, the most powerful witches can change themselves into a crocodile, into a rooster. Yes, that's right. They can change themselves into different types of beings. Now, another thing they can do, they can go into houses. Some people love mirrors. Now, in some big high witch places, they put mirrors all over in their house. Okay. Because they can go in and out of that mirror. They they get a call by a spirit, and they, they don't want to run to the other end of the house. They've got to be quick they'll turn to the nearest mirror and go out of their house through the mirror. They'll come back into their house through their mirror. Amazing. I over a, a wonderful minister's home uh, a few years ago. Very precious minister. Yes, sir. Very, very precious people. And they they had trouble because they felt like someone was watching them all the time. Okay. And they couldn't get away from this. So they said, Henry, would you take the time to come to our church, I mean my home, and pray over it? And I said, absolutely. I walked in the door, and from the moment I walked in the door, I looked at a mirror over on one wall to my right, and I could see into every room where the door was open from that one mirror. That mirror reflected the next mirror to the next mirror to another room. I could see all over that house. Every door that was open. The instant I saw that, I said, I see your problem. I said, it's your mirror. She said, oh, the the wife said, I love mirrors. I collect them. I said, do you have to put them on every wall? I said, stand here and look. One place. How much can you... She, her mouth dropped open. She said, I have never seen that before. Oh, what do you do in that case? Do you break the mirror and get rid of it? I told her. I said, I, this is up to you, ma'am, but I want to tell you something. 
let's let's call call it moderation. You need a mirror to look in to dress or something. You need a mirror in your bathroom to shave or whatever. Yes, That's sir. That's understandable. She must have had fifty mirrors in that house. And they oh were my goodness! All mirrors, and she got rid of the mirrors, of except just where she needed. And you know what? That that thing left. Praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Groover, how do we shut down witchcraft covens? Well, because they're springing up everywhere. Those in Santeria, uh, we're getting reports from Australia of a thing called the uh, uh, Satanic Fire Rings and the Interlock. Oh, boy. And uh, we've got a person that has escaped from a fire ring. Praise the Lord for that. But um, the the point I'm making here is, um, you know, Numbers 33, 50 to 57, talks about going to the land and, you know, basically uh, driving out the inhabitants of the land. And I look at it from the spiritual standpoint, you know, going after the demonic host, unless they become a prick in an eye in our eye or a thorn in our flesh. I mean, uh, you're going in and you're pulling down these strongholds. And uh, you, you mentioned what we can do if there's a demonic concert coming to town, like a Kiss concert or Marilyn Manson. What happens yeah. if you live in an area like Pennsylvania or Indiana or some of these places where you've got a lot of witchcraft uh, in a city um, going on? Do we have to just stand there and let it uh, attack? That's uh, all we have to do for it to get worse. Our city or what can we do? Um, that leads me to part two of the question. You mentioned remitting sins, uh, making the payment form with the blood of Jesus. Um, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord. Okay. A team of us from a ministry up in Cleveland, Ohio, they were going to have a, a oh, what did they call it? Uh, there's, a, there's a name for it. They don't call it sorcery or witchcraft uh, fair. But it's kind of a new age thing that a lot of times they'll call it new age fair or something. Like a Scarborough fair? Yeah, this kind of stuff. It, sure. Uh, it's, uh, oh boy, it's, it, it's just nothing but a lot of witchcraft and everything, you know. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, we, there were, there were 51 of us men of the church of that church. We fasted and prayed a day, so 51 times a day, you know, 51 days of prayer there, right there, fasting and prayer. Yes, sir. Before it came, and we walked walked into it. First, we walked completely around the block where it was being conducted. Okay. And then we went in and just spread out and began walking through it, declaring binding the familiar spirits that they could not communicate with the witches, warlocks, or the fortune tellers, or any of them. Okay. Just in agreement, binding those spirits. And as we walked through, I came right by one place where you could get your fortune told. And this lady come out and she says, what is going on here? I can't hear a thing. And... uh <laughs> All of this chaos, confusion, came over them. Yes, sir. And the next thing you saw was they were gathering all their wares. The lady telling the fortunes ran out and never went back in. She walked right on out of the fair. <laughs> yeah. 
they were gathering all their merchandise and just, I'm talking crystal things and angels and all this stuff, and they were just throwing them into this their boxes and hauling them out as fast as they could go. That was at about 3.15 that afternoon. It was supposed to be go until 6 o'clock. By 3.30, they were all cleaned out of there, and there were shops all over the place. That, that was a large fair, and it was cleaned out. They couldn't get out of there quick enough. So you go in and you bind all the uh, familiar spirits and the, uh, the principalities and powers and strongholds that are working through these individuals and covens in Jesus Christ's name, bind them up? Yes, and command them to be silent and not be allowed to communicate. Okay, um, so you went into some places where there was a lot of human sacrifice and so forth, caves, strongholds, mountaintops. Um, is there, a, what do we need to do with the principality over that area? Like Daniel had, you know, the prince of Persia withstood uh, Michael the archangel. Okay, yeah. so I figure that there's got to be principalities and powers that... Um, have rulership over these strongholds that you're going into, how do we deal with that demonic element? Uh, Just in the manner that you did? You bind them up? Yeah. Number one, I I would not deal with them unless I did some serious fasting and prayer first. Okay. Uh, Praying over that high witch, I would not even address it unless I pulled aside from my prayer walking for three days and nights stayed fasting and praying before the Lord. Okay, so you mentioned that before, I think, on a tape I've heard, where uh, an integral part of this is there a certain amount of fasting that's got to be done each time you're going into one of these places? Yes, and and the the, the greater the stronghold, uh, the greater the stronghold, I think it's important that you have a team with you. Uh, I... I didn't have a team with me. I fasted and prayed before I left for Great Britain when I walked and prayed this. Yes, sir. And it took me, before that high witch was saved, uh, it took me seven years of walking completely around the country of Wales. Wow. And I literally stood on five human sacrifice altars around that country of Wales over those different villages. Now, did you know who this person was that you were going to ultimately be praying with, or did God set it up as like a divine appointment? Yeah, it was a divine appointment. I had no idea. After I finished uh, in that seven years, the very day that I walked and prayed in this particular town was the day that this little child was born through the high witch's wife. Okay. And uh, a Baptist minister had witness to her on the streets of this town and uh, told her that Jesus loved her. Yes, sir. And she and her mentality and spirit said, well, if he loves me, then take me to him and let's get on with it. Uh, you know, that kind of thinking. And uh, and he said, you don't understand. I'm talking about the Son of God who gave his life for you and arose from the dead to prove his love for you. And he's the one that loves you, and he will forgive you no matter what you've done. He still loves you. And those words went into her like an arrow, and she turned and ran to the coven where this high witch was, where her husband was. 
and uh, he, this Baptist minister, kept going back to that church. I mean, that that coven, asking for her. And finally, her husband said, "You come one more time, you will be sorry." And they they went and one night they they started fires around his house and they gathered fingertip to fingertip, pronouncing curses. And when they left, he went out of his mind and ran down the streets in his pajamas, realized he's in his pajamas, got into his car, and headed out of town, driving, leaving his wife and four children. The next morning, I come into town, walking the town, and this this Baptist church in that town... I walked by it, and the Lord says, people are in need there. Go down into their meeting. And so I went down to the basement, and here they were sitting, elderly people crying and praying, and they told me this story. And so I prayed over them, and uh, and they agreed in prayer with me for, for safety for the minister, wherever he was, and a safe return, and safety for the family and the mother and the children. And then I, I left. And... Uh, that is when I was walking that town that this child was born who should have had, uh, uh, would not have had a birth certificate. That's but right. They had breeded this. They were going to offer it as a sacrifice to the devil, weren't they? In secret, they do. I don't know how much time we got here. How are we You've doing? You've got uh, 25 minutes. Okay, we're doing all right. So you, you can tell me when we're running yes, down sir. Frank down here. <laughs> I didn't bring my watch in here, like I said. We want to thank Brother Groover for going into uh, going in overtime. Um, we really appreciate this, Brother Groover. We still got a large audience still tuning in. Um, so they were going to sacrifice that child, as many of them do out there. Yes. What she did, she could not get out of her mind the words that there was a God that loved her enough to die for her sins and arose from the dead and is now at the right hand of Almighty God in heaven and could forgive her of any and every sin she'd ever committed, any wrong she'd ever done. She couldn't get that out of her mind. Yes, sir. So secretly, she told me personally this. She said, I did not verbally say it. I just in my mind said, if there is such a God as this, and he does not... He really will forgive me. When my labor comes, my birth pangs come, if you will have the power to have everybody out of the coven, I will grab a few things, go out, and get on the coach, the bus, and go to the hospital and have the child and have a birth certificate. And I will name that child Christian. Well, to show how much she didn't know about Christian, she didn't even know how to spell Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure enough, she had the child. She named him Christian. Praise God. And that's my first year of walking. That is my third city of walking Wales. And I'm there at the time that Christian was born. I'm walking it the morning after they burned the fires around the Baptist minister's house. So, and then the next morning, see, she bears this child and calls him Christian. Well, of course, uh, her husband is angry with her, and the whole coven's angry with her over this. But uh, seven years later, I have finished walking a complete circle around the country of Wales. 
walking the streets and villages, and God leads me to all five of their high sacrifice altars. I pray over all five of them, and then the seventh year has come, and because this high witch's wife refused to allow him to to be taken into the black witch's coven, where he would be initiated because there were prophecies now all over Wales that because he was not sacrificed at two years old uh, at two years old, yes sir, she would not let him be sacrificed at seven years old. He was to be turned over to the black witch and begin the initiations, and the prophecies in the covens was that he would be the highest witch and most powerful witch in, of all of Great Britain. Brother Gruber, let me ask you one question. Is it true that in uh, Satanism they they sodomize people? Oh, absolutely. It's part of the ritual? Oh, absolutely. To, it, to break their, um, to basically compartmentalize their mind and insert demons? Absolutely. And children, it, it's horrible. It's horrible. So, so you, you, go ahead with your story. So he... Uh, she is refusing to turn him over to the black witch. And so she's brutalized. The high witch's wife is brutalized. She winds up in the hospital, and the witnesses say that she fell down the stairs. Well, this doctor is doctoring her, and uh, he's witnessing to her. Well, I come along, and I'm set up to stay in this doctor's house. And this doctor's telling me about this lady, and he's asking me what my what my schedule is that on Monday. I was going to go to church with them on Sunday. And on Monday, what my schedule was. And I said, uh, well, I, I, I'm going to walk and pray unless you have something important. She said, well, uh, there's a couple coming to see us. Mind you, he must have said, if he said it once, he must have said it six, seven times. Mind you, they're very strange. And he said, they're coming to see us, and they want to talk to us. And uh, But mind you, they're very strange. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll stay over until they get here, and then I'll go ahead and continue my walking the next day. That's all right. I'll, I'll come and be with you for it. And uh, so here they come to the door, and uh, this man, this doctor, was a very prestigious doctor and spoke very proper English, you know what I mean? <laughs> Everything was the Queen's etiquette, okay? That's the only way I know how to say it. His wife and everybody, the children, it was all Queen's etiquette. I mean, I could maybe eat with my fork, you know, upside down, but they cannot, and uh, different things like this. But uh, anyhow, uh, <laughs> as as they open the door to them, this high witch just passes right, brushes right by the husband and wife, the doctor and his wife, and comes right to me in the living room, the sitting room, as they call it. And I stand up, and he comes right up in my face, and he says, So, you walk cities and pray them, do you? Big deal. What does that accomplish? And I said, well, it accomplishes more than you realize. Oh, it accomplishes more than you realize. And he went on like this, so sarcastic and everything. And poor the poor doctor's standing over there, and he's saying, 
Excuse me, we haven't had a formal introduction yet. And this high witch says, ah, <laughs> shut up with your queen's etiquette, trash. And, uh, <laughs> and he comes right back at me again and again. And he's not paying a bit of attention to the doctor, and the doctor's saying, excuse me, we don't treat our guests like this. This gentleman is a guest in our home, and you are violating the rules of my home. And I'm the man of the house, and you have no right to... Oh, shut up and sit down, he'd say to him. And the poor doctor and his wife just sit down, and the high witch's wife sit down, and their seven-year-old boy sit on the floor making funny little whistling sound with this toy that he had. And he and I, this high witch, by then, I already know. I know. I've discerned his spirit. He is, he's coming at me with everything he's got. And so he's wanting to know where I've walked, what I've done, and making the story, you know, the testimony short. I tell him about the four high places that I've been. And he says, uh, so you're the one. Every year we're trying to find who did this but we could never catch them. And I said, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I always felt when I went into those, I oh, says, I don't want a story cut to the quick, you know. <laughs> He'd always <laughs> break in on me. He says, I have no patience, cut to the quick. And I thought, well, bless your heart, you can't have patience when you're, when you're sold out to the devil because patience is of the Lord. <laughs> Amen, that's but, right. Uh, <laughs> he was very brutal and very abusive with his language, very demanding. And he says, you've taken out four of our high places. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, uh, yesterday I was in Bridgend. And I said, I had a two-hour layover at the uh, the coach station. And I said, the Lord Jesus. Do you have to use that name? I said, oh, yes, I do, because that's my God. Amen. No yours, but that's my God. <laughs> I said, the Lord, and he would just shake when I would use it. Just shake all over. I said, told me to go up High Street to the top of that mountain there, and I stood on the last one, number five. He says, you didn't, and I said, I did. (laughs) You've done it. You've taken out all of our high places around this country. And he looked to the doctor, and he says, well, he says, have you got a topographical map? And the doctor said, well, I do surgeries all over, and I need to take the shortest. Oh, he says, quit your mumbling and get it. Fetch it for me. So he brings it, put it out on the table here of Wales. And so he's spreading it out on the table, and we walk over there, and he says to the doctor, well, do you think you could afford a pencil? (laughs) (laughs) And this is the way he's treating the poor doctor, and the doctor just saying again, oh, my, 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 you know. He's so offended because of the the brutality of this man. But uh, he says, all right. He says, now show me where these are, if you know so well, because I think somebody just told you about them. I said, okay. And I start looking and going up and marking each place. And he says, oh, no. You're the one. You're the one. I go all the way around Wales and mark every one of them right on. He, He takes the pencil out of my hand, and he draws a pentagram, a five-pointed star. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And he says, you've done it. He says, every year, year and a half, we've been losing another high place, and we never could find who was doing it. 
Now in those seven years, I could not understand for the likes of me. I cried out to the Lord for people to go with me. Ministers, people would agree to go with me, and they'd always have an excuse. I wound up walking those seven years alone around that country. Oh, my goodness. Don't let everyone let that be the case again. We'll oh, get a couple of volunteers to join no, you. No, not No, people, I want you to understand. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I had been walking streets and praying and dealing with death and gangs and threats on my life, knives at my throat, guns at my head so many times by then. Yes, sir. Uh, so I was not a novice, people. You've got to understand this. I beg of you, whatever you do, don't go to a place like this. Don't go to a place like this alone and 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 do it unless you are very seasoned in the Lord. Amen. If you understand high voltage at all, you wouldn't think of climbing up that power pole and grabbing that big line going up there, would you? No, sir, it's very serious business. It is very serious business. It's not for a novice. Amen. Not at all. Uh, you need to be led by the Lord. You need the proper preparation, fasting, and prayer. And you've mentioned in a couple cases, um, you know, you would go in like with six men, and there's power number. If one can put a thousand to fight, two ten thousand. That's right. And so you had sufficient backup to take down the the principalities, right? That's right. And we all had fasted extensively before we got, went out on these strikes. Brother Gruber, I'm going to ask you a couple rapid-fire questions here in the remaining 15 minutes. Okay. Um, uh, Stonehenge. Have you walked Stonehenge before? Oh, yes. Yes, I've walked Stonehenge. Now, is it true what I'm hearing? Is the report true that uh, there's still very high occultic activity over in the United Kingdom and Europe? They're saying there is some, but do you you want to know what I think happened to, to Great Britain? Yes, sir. I think the church waked up, woke up temporarily in Great Britain and began doing spiritual warfare and kind of went back to sleep. Okay. And then another strong man came in. And if you're listening from Great Britain, you'll understand what I'm saying. The next strong man that came in because the church went back to sleep. The next strong man that came in was the power of militant Islam. Okay, I can see that uh, growing over there by leaping and bounds. Amen. You have another prince to deal with now. You better pray for Islam and you better pray hard. You need to understand when dealing with Islam, yes, your life is at stake. If If you begin to evangelize among them, there can be a price to be paid. Maybe the supreme price. But if you can zero in on them remitting their sins and releasing the goodness of God, when you do that, ask the Lord to give them dreams. Yes, sir. Ask the Lord to visit them in dreams, because in the Quran, a dream that's believed to be of any deity is highly esteemed, only second to the highest holy person of Islam and their words and their instructions. So pray for dreams that the Lord will reveal himself through dreams to your people, the Islamic people there in Great Britain. Pray that now. You Amen. must 
wake up before it's too late and ask God for a mighty move of His Spirit with Islam across Great Britain. Because when I was there six years ago, there were over 5,000 mosques already in the little country of Great Britain. God have mercy. 5,000. Now, they're propagating and growing very quickly here in America. In America, too. And I've been praying that for them, that the Lord will reveal himself to them in dreams. And when I find Muslim people, I try to witness to them. You know, not only uh, the minarets, but um, we're seeing uh, Hindu temples. There's um, a very large one in uh, Austin, Texas. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, Austin, Toledo, Phoenix. I used to work on the premises there. and Oh, uh, oh, Lord. And you know what? I uh, I got some spiritual warfare there, and of course uh, I don't have time to go into that today. But the uh, huge uh, temple there, they've they've got them in uh, Lilburn, Georgia. They built a big one down here in Georgia, where I'm at. Um, What do you think about these Georgia guidestones? Is that something that persons could need to walk? I would walk them and pray them and uh, remit the sins. Somewhere in there, innocent blood has been sacrificed by Native Americans or somebody. Uh, I find it very interesting. There's been human sacrifice in those areas dedicating. Now, I don't know if you know this and the people know this out there, but I was told this by an Eskimo chief. Okay. He used to be into the witchcraft of, of all the shamanism of, of the Eskimos. He was, he yes, sir over a very large tribe up in Alaska. He told me face to face, every totem pole that is a genuine totem pole, the hole they dig, they sacrifice a four-year-old girl. They put her alive down in that hole and tilt that big totem pole and it crushes her. Oh, my goodness. Body is under that totem pole as a human sacrifice. So it's not just a work of art. If you live in Seattle, Washington, go to the publisher's building there, right by the triangle in the heart of Seattle, where they have all those totem poles, the building right beside it, the big newspaper building. Yes. Go in there and look on the wall. You will see the ley lines. It has literally the whole map of the ley lines. They all crisscross right at that triangular place where all those totem poles are. Those are called power lines of of uh, witchcraft and new age. So do we need to break those ley lines in Jesus' name? Amen. Break them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sever them. Uh, Hospitals, parks, universities, airports, ports, shipping ports, train ports, bus stations, uh, places like these. These are called gates to your cities. Go walk them and pray them especially city parks where there are a lot of playground areas where children can get in there and not be seen. What I mean by passers-by, children are being seduced in these parks. Pray over those areas. The blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord. Cleanse your land. Pray around your schools and break that covenant with death and, and witchcraft and sorcery that's coming in and immorality. We have... So much to do, so much to do, people. There isn't time. I'm gone ten months of the year. There's so much to do. I cannot justify staying home anymore. Yes, I love to be with my wife and my children, 
but they understand the burden. My children have grown up with me broken and weeping, and they know it won't be long. Dad's going again because he's hearing the cries of another city. God have mercy. Brother uh, Groover, um, Loch Ness, Boleskine Manor, where Aleister Crowley used to live, ever been down there? Yes, I was once. Yes, I was. Uh, we that was didn't a, get a lot of work done. There certainly is more needs to be done there. I know Jimmy Page owned the place for a while and then sold it. Um, let me ask you another question. Uh, seven minutes remaining. Uh, backlash. How does a prayer walker uh, guard you. against backlash? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I had that in my notes and I laid them aside. Thank you, brother. That was the Lord. Uh when you go out, this is of utmost importance. I call them counterattacks of the enemy. When you go out to do warfare, if any team member has to leave before the team breaks up and, and departs, pray over that team member. We put them in the middle of a circle and we pray over them for protection over them, their family, every form of communication to, from, around, and concerning them. And then when we break up as a team, we, we hold hands in a circle and we declare the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord over each of us and over our families, our travels, the communications to, from, around, and concerning us. And we ask the Lord to be our rear reward. That's a King James expression, but it simply is a term that comes from when you come off the front lines and you are in R&R, rest and relaxation, there has to be warriors out there guarding so you can relax and rest. Claim that from the Lord. Every time you come off the battleground, you're driving, you're praying, you're in your closet, you're praying, wherever you do warfare, when you finish, worship the Lord, get your song back in your heart, rejoice in the Lord so your strength comes back up. Don't go out on the streets with your spirit wide open after you've done warfare in a church and intercessions. Rejoice in the Lord, get a song of the Lord, and get your strength back up and your covering up, and then go back out there or you'll get hit because it is war. It is warfare. It is not a game. It's real. What okay. do we do for the protection of our families? I know if they can't get you, they'll try to go after your spouse or kids. Absolutely. How do you, how do you uh, guard them? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. indeed. Uh, Brother Groover, uh, five minutes remaining. I'm going to have you close out in prayer, but before we do, uh, would you give out your contact information, please? Tell people how they can support your ministry. Sure. It's uh, Joyful Sound Ministries, Post Office Box 144, Woodbine, Iowa, W-O-D-B as in boy, I-N-E, Woodbine, Iowa, I-O-W-A, 51579, USA. And you can find us on web, joyfulsoundministries.com or henrygroover.com. And the materials are listed and all there, and everything is given at a free will offering basis. Uh, so... Uh, Hope that we hear from you. Brother Groover, uh, any plans to go back to Japan? Yeah, I've got to be back there in August the 11th. I've got to be there at a big seminary. The biggest seminary in Asia, actually, is what they tell me. And I get to preach and teach what we've been talking about tonight to every year now for five years. It's been over 300 graduates getting their doctorates in theology and divinity. 
Praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Groover, we only could scratch the surface, even in four hours. Uh, would it be possible to have you on again sometime soon? I'll tell you what, I'll have to give you a call when I'm uh, when I'm back home or Praise the Lord. somewhere where we can do it. Yeah, because we'll I'm going to be on, you on Monday and anytime you get the, a, about the end of June. Well, anytime you have a free break, we'd love to have you back on and keep, keep the teaching going. Brother Groover, I'm going to have you close in prayer, and we have a special request tonight. There's a brother out there that is battling very high cholesterol. Would you pray that the Lord would give him a healing for his body? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Take it over. you got three minutes, brother. Oh, Father in heaven, I just come against this foul spirit of cholesterol, this accumulation in his arteries and his veins. Lord Jesus, I ask that that just be slowly eliminated from his body with no ill effects that his circulation to the smallest blood vessel and all will be opened up. And, Lord, anyone else saying, yes, I need that as well? Any affliction, Lord, that is is there of heart trouble or liver trouble or whatever, Lord Jesus, we just ask for your healing virtue. Now, Lamb of God, we just cover this conversation with the blood of Jesus, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless each one that has heard, that you will hold this in them, that you will seal it by the Holy Spirit, that they will be able to retain it and hold it, and then it will bring forth an abundance of fruit after its kind. Now, Lamb of God, I just bless Mega Radio, Lord, and my dear brother Shannon, and those that work together with them to make this possible. I pray you bless them abundantly, Lord, spiritually, naturally, financially, physically, in every way. And be with all those, Lord, that have been on with them and bless them and our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Watch over them, keep them, and be with them, Lord, and make them mighty warriors going out with such a love and a cry for the lost so that the harvest can be, and Lord, as I've said many times, that they'll work from the light of heaven, redeeming the time in every land that they're in, so the harvest can come again. In Jesus' name we ask it, and we thank you for it. Amen, amen. Amen, I agree. And folks, if you're tuning in late, we're going to have this up in the archives very soon. Brother Groover, I'm going to be burning copies of these programs. Uh, Send them to your daughter, Heather. And, yeah, my uh, daughter-in-law. Thank you. And uh, you're, they're yours, yours to use uh, as you will, brother. Listen, well, I want to thank you sincerely for coming on tonight and going four hours with us. Folks, uh, we really thank Brother Henry Groover for his time tonight, and I would encourage everybody to get involved with his ministry and support it. HenryGroover.com. And, Brother Groover, um, if you're, are you going to be doing any meetings around the country that people maybe could come out and meet you in person and hear you? Yeah, if they'll just go on our website, henrygroover.com, and uh, punch in uh, schedule, I hope to have it on there pretty quick where I will be. I'll be up in uh, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, uh, up into Maine, New York, and uh, back, well, earlier I'll be in Michigan. I'm heading for Michigan real soon. If uh, if it's possible... And you could get us a list. We'll uh, be honored to publicize it and try to get some people out your way to hear you speak. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll have Heather do that. Love and appreciate you, Brother Groover. God bless you and your family. Thank you for coming well, on bless tonight. Bless all of you there. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon, Brother. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And good night. 
Folks, that was Brother Henry Groover. God bless him. God bless you out there tonight. And uh, Father God, I just claim the protection of the blood of Jesus over everyone that tuned in tonight or will on MP3. And we thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to learn more about prayer walking. Folks, this will be up on the MP3 archives tomorrow. And uh, we're going to burn a couple CDs for this and uh, get them out far and wide. We'd encourage you to spread the, these programs any way you can. Get them out uh, to people that will listen and uh, get in this battle. If you need to reach me, Omega Man Radio at Yahoo.com, Facebook Omega Man Radio. Tomorrow night, Friday, we're going to have Brother John Kyle on doing Mass Deliverance. Saturday, Brother Victor um, Ravlag will be preaching at 6, and then at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have Steve Quill as my special guest with uh, 